What's up, everybody, and welcome to Hunting Pixels, the culture bop video game podcast. I am your host, the Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined this week by Austin New Tech Stevens and my other co-host. Uh, I guess Austin's not a co-host, right? Because I didn't call him that. I fucked up on Dylan's last time, and now I'm fucking up on Austin's. <laughs> Damn. Damn. And, uh... <laughs> Dylan Console Wars Martin. What's up, I, fellas? What's up? Uh, how, how are you two, two uh, fuckers doing? Man, I feel violated. <laughs> I just be violated. As you probably should. And that comment, if you don't even put that conversation in at the beginning, that's going to sound real, real bad because there's no context behind it whatsoever. Now I'm definitely not putting it That's in. That's good. That's probably for the best. I'll take the bullet. Not gonna lie. Anyway, boy. Well, it's uh, it's nice to be back here recording with you guys. We had to postpone a couple days because uh, you know. I don't even remember what life gets in the way. Yeah. I just and move on. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah, just yeah. move on. As you, mm-hmm. as you often do. Uh, were you in the? I think it was you in the back with me today. Or no, we were over in down one of the aisles and talking to Dion. And Dion's so positive all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. And it kind of kills him. me. I mean, but it's good <laughs> to have people like that in your life. Like I really. Oh yeah. Austin and Dion. They always, you know, two people. Austin Stevens in the in the chat with us, not so much, but Austin that we work with. I'm a very negative person. I was like, hold on, what? Yeah, I'm cynical as fuck. Right, right. but those positive life is cancer. <laughs> That's all. But positive people really help. Like when you're when you're in the funky bits, and we we're always surrounded by people like that at work. Yeah, yeah. Dion's uh, kind of like my my fucking lifeboat. He uh, <laughs> so keeps he he seriously keeps fucking me from wanting to blow my brains out every day I go into work. Yeah, I feel like he drinks a copious amount of alcohol, and we just don't know it. You know what? Probably. Or well, you got him addicted to WoW, so that's that's the thing that he does. It could be. He, he goes home and he plays WoW and it's like, God, I hate my fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's what gets him through, man, you know? Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cool. Well, uh, why don't we just go ahead and get into what we've been doing since we last spoke? Uh, I think last time I talked about what we do in the shadows. And uh, I'm going to talk about that again because I am now into season two. And I think we only have like four episodes left. Uh, How many? This show's really fucking funny. Uh, it's only two right now. Oh, okay. Um, both of them are on Hulu. Uh, which I found out that uh, Dylan does not have earlier today. Or approve of. It, it it upset me greatly that uh that you don't have or approve of Hulu. No. Wait, why why don't you approve of Hulu? I just have a problem with paying for anything and you're still getting ads. I understand that you can pay to not have ads, but why even? I don't know. It just makes me sick. Like, if I wanted that, I'd just watch TV. But that's just me. I don't know. I don't want to spend my money to not watch ads when I can go to other streaming services who already offer that. 
I don't even know how much it costs. I'm going to be real with you. However much Hulu no ads costs, I have no idea. What is Hulu with no ads is uh, twelve bucks. It's the same as Netflix. Well, that's not bad because I honestly thought it was like twenty. Oh no, I'm still not. Good. I I wouldn't be paying twenty bucks for Hulu. Honestly, I used to pay fifty bucks for Hulu, and it wasn't great. What? Used to be yeah. What? I used to pay fifty bucks for Hulu. Because I used to do the uh, I used to do the live TV add on. Oh, okay. Good. And it's not fucking worth it. Oh, okay. not fucking worth it at all. Okay. Yeah, dude. I um. I had that shit I, for like two months, and I was like, "Nah, fuck this. I'm I'm done." Yeah, I I did sling, and I I still do sling during the football season just so I can catch, you know, football. But like, I really think that those are huge, huge ripoffs. Like. The to get all the channels that you would want, and it's not even like a full cable package worth of shit. But like, if you want everything that you possibly want out of Sling, you have to pay fucking fifty bucks a month. At that point, why am I not just paying for cable? Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know the other thing was twelve bucks though. That changes very little, but that's more appealing than what? Well, how much is normal Hulu? (laughs) Is it just free? Uh, six. Six. Well, why wouldn't you just pay the twelve? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly the reason that I have it. So, well, that I mean, if there's good shows on Hulu, maybe I'll change. Maybe you, maybe you swayed me because I really oh, thought it was dude, like uh, Hulu's got exclusive streaming rights uh, to. Uh, I believe they do now. They didn't before, but uh, I believe they have exclusive streaming rights for It's Always Sunny. Which is Never one of the greatest it. comedies ever. What? Who's getting I'm not a fan. Getting the office. Dude. It's always sunny so fucking funny. That's it's one of my favorite sunny? comedies. Or it's yeah, always it's always sunny. sunny in Philadelphia. I get it. Have you never heard of it? Not I mean I think I know like Danny DeVito's in it, maybe. I think yes. That is literally all I know about it. Oh, it's it's very funny. Austin has bad taste in everything, so he thinks it's bad. But <laughs> no, I don't think it's bad. <laughs> I think uh, I think for what it is, it's a good show. It's just not my cup of tea. Mm. It's just not like, like it's funny. It's fucking hilarious. But it's like a whole bunch of bad people doing bad things. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Like I can watch it and enjoy it. But it's like it's not one of those things that I'm like that I can sit down and binge. Mm, okay, I see what you're saying. So already with the like, argument, I have no idea what one of their better shows is. <laughs> I mean the 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 show I'm I'm gonna talk about is also on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, yeah. Getting back to that, we're on season two now, and uh, season one started out kind of on the slower side. Uh, and then really picked up towards like the the back half. Um, I thought it was f- funny throughout, but it it has that sort of uh, uh, what's the show that I'm thinking of? Uh, Parks and Rec, or even The Office sort of thing to it, where like the first season starts off really slow, kind of picks up towards the end, and then season two is where it really kind of reaches its. Uh, I'm trying to think of the hits its stride. There we go. So uh, it's really, really funny. Um, there was an episode last night that guest starred Mark Hamill that 
had me howling. I thought it was so fucking funny. And yeah, it's just, it's very good. And I highly recommend it. Uh, Austin, you've been working on your Nintendo collection here. Is that right? Uh, kinda. <laughs> kinda. I mean, Don't before I got... sound so sad about it. Uh, no, I got a Wii U, so I'm pretty sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was free. But it was free. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I didn't have to pay anything, which um, <clears throat> is the only way a Wii U would have entered my household. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I, I like I sat down and I went through the list of like critically acclaimed Wii U games and I was like on Switch, on Switch, coming to Switch, on Switch, been on Switch, and I was like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with this console? <laughs> and then I went to um and then I went to the eShop and I started looking through the eShop and I was like, okay, the eShop was the saving grace of this console. Yes. Because the eShop on the Wii U is the best eShop on any Nintendo console to date. Like, it is phenomenal. They, they've they got DS games. They've got fucking 60... All the critically acclaimed... Like, any good 64 game you can think of exists on the Wii U's eShop. That's pretty sick. I've been playing the shit out of Pokemon Snap, dude. That is awesome. It, that is awesome. It's relaxing as hell for whatever fucking reason. Um, uh, I saw... Pretty much every Zelda game, from to my knowledge, um, except with the exception of the Game Boy Color ones, um, pretty much every Zelda game up to Breath of the Wild is on the eShop for the Wii U, like Skyward Sword and shit like that. So I might have to sit down and play Skyward Sword because that's one of the few Zelda games that I've never played. Oh, really? That's a good opportunity. But I, yeah, it's the motion controls through like kind of turned me oh, off from it. About that. The motion controls just didn't seem all that great, so it kind of turned me off from ever trying it. But didn't they um with the with the Wii U remake of that game? Didn't they take the motion controls out and fit it towards like a natural controller? I don't know. That I I'm not sure of that. I hope that's the case. Um, I know with the. I know with the Wii port of Twilight Princess, they added motion controls to it if you want to play it like that. Mm. I don't know why you would, but (laughs) the option is certainly there. But I also know for the Wii, it was either the Wii U port or the the Wii port or the Wii U remake. Because for some reason, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker just get remade on fucking everything. Hmm. Um. I can't remember if it was the Wii U port of Twilight Princess or the Wii port of Twilight Princess, but one of them is actually mirrored to the original GameCube game. Like, all the layouts are just mirrored. And that sounds terrible. But, uh, I don't know. I've, I've also have yet to actually sit down and play Twilight Princess as an adult. So, because I, I'm in the process of... Uh, getting my copy of twilight princess graded because it is it's in perfect condition so i was like why not why not just add to the value by getting it graded and see see how close to it i don't think it'll get a 10 i think it might get an eight or a nine but a graded nine copy of twilight princess that has everything included like complete inbox is still worth like four hundred dollars oh jesus so it's worth a shot even if I get an eight, that's still not that much worse. 
I've never seen a 10, though. I've never seen a listing for a 10 or how much it goes for, and I'm really curious to see that. But I know I know it's not going to get a 10. There's some minor scratches on the case, and not on the disc. The disc is actually in flawless condition, but the manual and the case have some rips and tears here and there, so it's not going to get a fucking 10. Mm-hmm. But Maybe an 8. I'm shooting for an 8. Cool. Cool. Did, oh. did you get anything else other than... Uh, uh, Skyward Sword? No, not yet. Um, well, on the Wii U, I picked up uh, I picked up Pokemon Snap, and I picked up uh, for some reason they had the Pokemon Ranger games on there, which is that's super weird. Cool. Oh, that's weird. Um, but they're all ten dollars a piece. Those would have been like exclusive to the 3DS eShop, but yeah, they're not even on that, which yeah, is odd. Yeah, at all. Oh, what? That is really weird. Yeah, it super sucks. Um, all the po- all the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, with the exception of the 3DS titles, um, all the all the Game Boy and DS titles for Mystery Dungeon are on the Wii U eShop as well. So I picked up. Uh, Wait. I think it was Explorers of Time. Are Fire Red and Leaf Fire Green on there? No, they don't have any main oh, series games on there. You might have made me almost buy a Wii U. That would have been terrible. <laughs> I right. I think it's worth. I think a Wii U is worth it if you've never had one and you can find one for a good price. I um, just never had one. It was like the Wii. I, I never had one. Yeah, and then that came out, and it honestly reminded me of like a flea market console. Like you, it it's supposed to be a mainstream like console, but then you look at it and it's like ew. That, I don't. I honestly. Uh, I don't know how people played it because the the gamepad itself is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever used to play a game with. Jesus, yes. But that's it. That's all I've been up to. Cool. Well, uh, I watched a little movie on... Oh, yeah. I I keep forgetting to look this up, but I watched a little movie called Relic. uh, And I already talked to Dylan about this, but... Um, it's a Australian horror film that came out earlier this year. I want to say February and it's in the same sort of, uh, I, I don't want to say it's in the same sort of vein as the Babadook cause it's, it is and it isn't like, it's not as overt with its horror as the Babadook was, but it, still is in that vein where it uh, takes like someone's personal story and their personal journey and then kind of highlights the horror of that. Like in you guys have seen the Babadook, right? I've not. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you definitely should. It's very, very good. I think I wanted to at the time and then I just completely forgot about it for whatever reason. Oh, you definitely should. Um, but I mean, I guess this isn't really spoilers, but it kind of takes the um, that movie kind of takes the sort of uh, the look at a mother's deteriorating relationship with her son uh, after. Well, I, that is kind of spoilery. So uh, it ta- it kind of takes that relationship and then personifies it with the the antagonist of the film which is the Babadook and uh, it 
is really it's the movie is the relationship thing. The Babadook is just kind of there, right? This one kind of does the same thing where it is about this woman's deteriorating mental health and uh, her mental capacity. So like it's about like Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that. And then kind of personifies it with almost like a haunted house uh, sort of setting. And it's creepy from the get go. Like the, the, opening segments after the the credits start rolling is just kind of taking you along uh the path of like one of the first instances that you see this old lady's um like mind is kind of i i keep saying deteriorating i want to find a better word but like kind of breaking down and so like it's during Christmas and she's going to go take a bath, but all none of, none of this is like really explicitly like stated for you until you figure it out. But like the water's running and you just see water running and going down the stairs. And then like, because the, the tub is overflowing and then the water kind of like the camera follows the water as it goes to this woman's feet. And you're like, Oh, what the fuck is going on here? And it's this old woman in a nightgown, and she's just standing there staring at the Christmas tree with the lights blinking and shit. And then you see, like, this shadow out of the corner of the room kind of, like, pop up. And it's like, uh, like, it's immediately unsettling. And then it goes into, like, this... Uh, sorry, what was that? I, I just like that feeling like I can just imagine it. And it's like those extra... Ugh, it's the stuff in the background that always gets me. Yeah, like yeah, dude. That scene in... Uh, it like the new like the the first one of the two newer ones where it's in the library and that old woman is just in the background standing there staring towards you. That is mm-hmm. the worst. That's the biggest scare in that whole movie to me. Like oh I hate that. Oh yeah, dude the the jump scares in the new it are the worst part of that movie. <laughs> I've still never seen them. Oof. Really? Dude, yeah. Don't even bother with the second one. The second one is I think actual trash. Like really. But the first one goes a really long way because the kids are so charming and they're so good at acting. And like Dylan was saying, there are a lot of really, really subtle scares in the first one. There are also a ton of jump scares that are really kind of unnecessary. But like there's way more subtle stuff happening in that first movie than the second one. The second one's just like, yeah. Scary clown, scary. Like, it's uh that second movie's bad. But um yeah, man, the relic is very, very or not the relic, because that's a completely different movie, but relic is very, very subtle, it's very slow moving, and it is really a a genuinely gripping look at like I said, dementia and Alzheimer's and like those sort of brain rot diseases, so to speak. Yeah, and I I really highly recommend it. I think it's wonderful. Hmm. I need to um, check that out. Babadook. I need to watch that. I guess I yeah, don't need dude, to watch it too. Watch I never it. saw it, so I'm probably gonna. Yeah, I sincerely don't bother with that. Like, uh, but you've been um, fishing, and that seems to be the only thing that you've been doing. That, Is that right? Uh, that you ever do. 
that's all I ever do aside from work. Um, <laughs> my birthday was Wednesday, and we went out and had literally best day of fishing I've ever had. Just oh, okay. Well, happy late birthday. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I forgot to tell you happy birthday. That was my bad. I'm an asshole. I what a dick. Don't even pay attention. Like it's fine. So thank you. No, I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I went out there and. Like immediately catch my personal best, and then I topped that again later on in the day. Caught my first two, caught them both on the same day. Spotted bass, like that was crazy. Like I've always been told they put up a fight, and God, like it was so much fun. Um, but I unbelievably, I've actually started playing games again. <laughs> it's nice, nice. Well, yeah, and I'm right back on. That's what we're about here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Stardew Valley, but I'm back to fishing on that, too. So I can't really get away one way or the other. I'm always doing it in either real life or on a game. Yeah, it sucks. Can't even look at Animal Crossing because I'm just going to do it on there, too. Uh, Terraria, going to do it on that, too. There's a ton of different games that I have. <laughs> it's, I have a whole list. <laughs> Minecraft, you do it on anything. Um, but also uh, the new Transformers series on Netflix um it was super short it's only like six episodes but it was it was fantastic i've not watched transformers since i was a kid and the last ones that i remember watching were the beast war so they weren't even like the i i might have to look into that yeah it's good uh i mean i love transformers it's it's it holds up man like the story is phenomenal even as 29 year old man watching it it was great the animation was like lacking especially in the earlier episodes but it built up towards the end and it was much better, and it kind of said so. It's going to be like how they're kind of doing like the new Pokemon show, how it's like a like a kind of a chapter at a time. It's how they did um, this one, and the first okay. chapter is called Siege, and now those it sets up for chapter two and three. No spoilers, but it is it is for sure worth watching if you were ever a Transformers fan at all. Still, I'm a, is is it so? I, I haven't seen anything about it. I, I've heard about it. I knew there was one coming to Netflix, but I haven't seen anything about the actual series. Is it set on Earth or is it like a Cybertron? Kind this, of is this is full on Cybertron. This is that it makes crazy. my wiener hard, and I'm gonna watch yeah. the shit out of that as soon as this is over. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, it's worth it. Um, that's don't fucking great. Really know what the future holds for chapter two and three, but I would say for sure Cybertron's still going to be a huge part of it. Um, because all of it. War for Cybertron is low key my favorite game from that generation of games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're gonna. I That's the love. Game, I think right. Do what? That's the 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 game from Platinum Games. The- yeah, the one that the one that played very similar to Gears of War. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think I'm thinking of Transformers Devastation. Yes, I think you are too. But Transformers yeah. Devastation. Yeah, well, that if, was yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Which one did you say? War for Cybertron. War for Cybertron. Uh, yeah. Okay, that one was a uh, was a 360 game, right? Yeah, it was 360 yeah. PS3. Okay, and it's yeah. it's I'm I'm so mad that that game's not backwards compatible on Xbox One. It really deserves to be. Is it on? Yeah, I. I think so. Probably. Oh man, so stuff's being go- or not Google? Jesus Christ, that's just a no. <laughs> it's not. It is called Transformers the movie, and that is it. 
It looks like. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fucking weird. Um, super weird. But no, definitely give it a watch. Um, really worth it. If you can make it past the kind of subpar animations through the first couple episodes, like it really picks up towards the end and it's great. Nice. Oh, word. Nice. I'm going to check that out as soon as this is over. Uh, well, I've also been watching a Netflix series called The Politician. Uh, me and Kayla started watching this, mm, I don't want to say like a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. And uh, so it's from Ryan Murphy, who is the co-creator of American Horror Story, Glee, Nip Tuck, like thousand different fucking shows and it has his touch marks all over it like quippy little dialogue like young characters who have like relationships with one another but really none of the characters are well formed outside of say like one or two uh and (sighs) the thing about ryan murphy's shows is that even if they're not good, they're incredibly watchable, like really, really, really watchable. And like, just for instance, I really love, I think the first two seasons of American horror story. I think the first one specifically is great. Uh, in season two, even though it's trying to say something, it doesn't quite pull it off, but it's still really, really good. Uh, Season three is where it lost me for a real long time. And the thing is, is season three is still really watchable. Like it's really well shot. Like it's really well acted. Like it just, for whatever reason, seasons three and four, uh, I think even season five, I, yes. Cause season five is hotel. Like, those really didn't speak to me, and then I kind of came back for uh, what was the Roanoke, and that one was was pretty decent. And then Apocalypse happened, and it was it was pretty okay, I guess. Anyway, I'm getting completely off track. The point is, is that he makes these shows that even if they're not good, they're incredibly watchable. And I feel like the Politician, at least the first season, is like that, where it's not particularly good it's not particularly memorable there are some good character moments in the very beginning and towards the very end but overall the thing is this it's just entertaining and that's kind of all it is which sucks because i feel like there are some really really good themes that are in there about like what Kids are kind of, for lack of a better term, what they're kind of forced to focus on, like the weight of expectations, if that makes sense. And like there are some really good ideas that I think could have been sort of followed, but they're just kind of like there in the beginning and then just dropped completely like to focus on this sort of like quippy dialogue, like sort of like uh, high school wannabe West Wing sort sort of shit. And it's really well shot, but I have a problem with it because it kind of rips off Wes Anderson <laughs> like a lot. Like 
a lot. And I don't know, man. Like, I season two is significantly better to me because there is more there, like, character-wise. Like, we get to know a few of the characters a little bit better, but they're still almost one-note stereotypes. And it it just kind of sucks uh, because it has potential. It has a lot of really, really good potential, but it just squanders that in favor of being, like, appealing to kind of like the lowest common denominator. It has to be watchable. So it doesn't sink its teeth into the themes that it wants to follow. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, I'm again, like it sucks because it is watchable and I, I enjoyed my time watching it, but it doesn't leave any sort of lasting impact. And I'm hoping because it hasn't been canceled yet. I'm hoping if it gets a season three from Netflix that it'll take the the kind of uh, steps forward that season two made and make it even further in step three, or not step three, but season three, where it actually is saying something and has something to say and is trying to make you remember it. Because right now, all it is is it's kind of like Comfort food TV. Yeah. Uh, so, but with that said, uh, I think we've wrapped everything up. So why don't we go on to our main topic? And our main topic this week is going to, I guess, revolve around what we have in the very near future. Uh, and so... The console wars, as we know them, have kind of just deteriorated since the initial console war of the early 90s. Like, you know, the one between the powerhouse of Nintendo and the sort of brash newcomer Sega. And then, you know, the following generation saw a new competitor competitor enter the fray with, like, Sony and the super mega successful console that was, you know, the PS1. And then the... After that, there was the, the th- I guess, if you want to deem it the third generation of console wars, you had Sega kind of bow out with the Dreamcast being its last gasp effort, and Microsoft entered in its place with the Xbox, and still PlayStation dominated. And then you had the one afterwards where all three big console manufacturers did incredibly well with, you know, the Wii stepping out way out front. Last generation, which was, I guess you would say the Xbox One, PS4, Switch, even though the Wii U was kind of in there. No. It really... You wouldn't say so? I It was, but just in a in a, in a more... Hey, buddy. Kind of sense, like <laughs> you know. I'm 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 gonna refer to the Wii U, um, for the sake of this console war talk as the Switch prototype because I think that's, <laughs> that's what it was. What that because that's exactly was. what it yes, was. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, either way, with both of those, right? Nintendo kind of completely went in a new and different direction, for sure. and and that led us to the Switch, which is like mega successful. Uh, and then PlayStation jumped out to a really big lead over everybody 
with Microsoft being that sort of like, hey, me too sort of thing, even though the Xbox One didn't do nearly as successful as the PS4. No, it did not, unfortunately. And, yeah, right? <laughs> the So the thing is, is that the console wars kind of have remained here with fanboys, you know, both sides being kind of like diametrically opposed to one another. But there's like a whole nother set of people who just think that the console wars have died out. And with the new console generations on the horizons, what we're really here to talk about is this next generation of consoles and whether the war between the consoles is still here or whether it's kind of dead. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll open it up to you guys really. Uh, do you guys think that the console wars are here still or have they died out? And if they haven't, um, do you think they even matter? I think, I think, I think the console wars is still there, but I, I, I'm going to be honest. I think the console wars really only matter at this point to like Reddit and other internet trolls. Um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, as, as a collector, I don't really give a shit about it. Um, it, cause in my opinion, Nintendo is superior to everything. Um, it's okay to be wrong, Austin. Well, obviously, spec-wise, no. <laughs> Nintendo doesn't hold a fucking uh, a, a fucking candle to even the PS4 and the Xbox One, and I'm really curious to see what Nintendo is going to do going forward um, with the Series X and the PS5 on the horizon. But I, I just, I don't, I feel like the console wars died out really last generation, like, uh, and that might just be me and my circle. Of, of friends and other collectors but it, it just it, no one cares at this point you know every everyone that i know that's seriously into gaming um they obviously they have their preferred console but like i i had the ps4 and the xbox and the switch at one point all at the same time um i had my preferred console which was the switch but for social gaming um i had the xbox and for, you know, the more single player stuff, I had the Switch and the PS4, which obviously it just depended on what exclusive I was in the mood to play at the time. But I just I feel like unless you're looking really hard into the specs of the consoles, which spec wise, it does seem like the Series X um, is going to have some advantages over the PS5. Um but at the same time, what is they're both offering what 8K support, which is unless you're playing on a 120 inch TV, that does not matter. It does not matter yeah, it, at all not, because your 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 eyes physically can't tell the difference. No, you can't. Like it, it's that's not even physically possible right now. Like they can pledge to offer it, and that's fine. But we can barely get ram, games running at 4K. At a perfect, you know, that's that's really hard for a lot of computers nowadays too to hit that 120 frames, 4K. Like I know that's not the standard right now, but I don't know, 8K. That's just so far down the line. I mean, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah. I 
I agree with you guys both. And the reason that I agree with you both is because uh, it, well, I mean, it's not really viable right now, right? I mean, they're, they're not making 8K TVs. No. And this is something that I wanted to touch on specifically where uh, I, I think I'll, I'll drop this into maybe a conversation for next week. But, like, to me, I don't understand what this new generation is going to do. Uh, like, it's going to make things prettier? Okay. But I, to me, it's not so much a console war anymore so much as a differentiating of what people do. Like, just... PlayStation has gone a completely different route than Microsoft and, and Nintendo has gone a completely different route than the other two. So like they're all three set on three different paths and it's like it, you still have, like Austin said, the trolls on Reddit and, and message boards who were like, yeah, I, for instance, I saw a Twitter thread this morning that was saying something about the, uh, the differences between, the PS4 and or not the PS4, the PS5 and the Xbox One X Series X or whatever it's called, and they were saying that like the uh, the Xbox Series X is going to be doo doo because of its lack of exclusives or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, like that's all fine and dandy. And they were. They also like said something about like what what are you going to use all that power for when you have Halo that looks like shit? And again, that's all fine and dandy, but that's not what Microsoft is doing anymore. Microsoft's not trying to compete with Sony in the console space anymore. At least I don't think they are. And I mean, to that point, I don't think that the console wars matter outside of the very vocal few people on Twitter and Reddit who are just there to kind of rile up the other side. And those people are fucking frustrating as hell because can't we just enjoy the games? Can't we just enjoy the platform that we play on? Like, I don't like Austin is huge in Nintendo. I'm not over here because I like the PlayStation and the Xbox more shitting on Austin for liking the Nintendo being like, Oh, you can't play doom. And in it's, perfect form you should just get a fucking ps4 because if i was going to do that like i I would be a fucking a pc guy like i would play exclusively on pc yeah if if we're going to talk about whether or not the console wars are a thing we also have to discuss how none of the consoles are as powerful as a a good pc and you can you have controller support there too. So what's your fucking excuse? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't think they really matter anymore. And I think that it I think they're they're dead and and for good reason. You're right. Uh, the console wars died out a long time ago, and the only people who are holding that viewpoint still are what you guys have both said. They're people on the internet who do not matter. Gaming is now a household thing. It used to be, you know, growing up when we were growing up, it was a select group of people playing. And we generally 
only played that one console. When I was growing up, I was fortunate enough to have both the PlayStation and a Nintendo system. But eventually, my dad, who you know I played a lot of games with, he only went for the PlayStation games. And then when I was on my own, really all I had were the Nintendo games. It wasn't later until I got the Xbox 360, and that became my primary console. But growing up, it was always one or the other and never both at the same time. But now we've moved into a place where gaming being a household thing, a lot of people have all three consoles. I'm sitting in a room with two Switches, one Switch Lite, uh, PlayStation 4, an Xbox One X, and a PC. This is a very small room. What I'm saying is that people have brought everything into their house because gaming is just that. It's gaming. It's not supposed to be a war. It's supposed to bring you fun, and you're supposed to be able to um, play with your friends and be able to talk about it no matter what's going on. The cool thing that we've moved into now is not, hey, what game are you playing? Or, you know, you know, what system are you playing on? It's what game are you playing? And now we're moving to a place where cross-play is becoming a thing. I can play with my girlfriend on Apex, or not Apex Legend, but like Fortnite, or look at Modern Warfare now. Like, people can cross-play with different games. Rocket League can be played on a, you know, the whole entire system that it's connected to. Games are integrating themselves now, and it's not because we're at a war. If we were at a war, you know, all these people wouldn't want it. It's it's a collective thing. And that's mm-hmm. the, that's the beautiful place we're in now. It's people holding, you know, that fire still, that those pitchforks and torches. It's like, wh- what are you doing? You're not hurting anyone but yourself because you're not wanting to branch out. There's certain things with every console that gives you a benefit. Sony right now has so many exclusives and they're doing so well especially in the end of its life cycle, just this year alone releasing some of those games, it's been monumental for them. But then you look at Xbox, what they're doing, and they're acquiring uh, uh, developers for the next generation, and we already have great games on the horizon like Fable and Avowed coming from you know, developers that they've acquired during this life cycle to prepare for the next life cycle. And then Nintendo is just rocking out with the Switch. I've seen some of their numbers, and their sales are up by monumental amounts because of COVID. But there's a reason that everyone's turning to the Switch and not PlayStation or Xbox. It's the family system. You have so many family-friendly games on that that some of these people that before the whole COVID outbreak, they did have a PlayStation or they did have an Xbox. But now they're going out to buy the Switch because look at how much is available on that, too. And it's not you. That's not. I'm the pretty console. sure that the Switch. I'm. I'm pretty sure the Switch is the best-selling console. It is every month this year. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's it has been up um, ridiculous amounts. It's been. It's been the. It's been the best-selling console since uh, 2018, I believe. Mm. 20, 2018 or 2019, but one of the two. It's been the best-selling console since and. That, that was before the freaking outbreak and now the outbreak happened or the pandemic rather. And I think I just saw they're over 400% up in sales. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know where I saw that, but that's a big that number. Accurate. And all of that, it, it culminates down to people don't care anymore about a console war that should have never existed because at the end of the day, we're all gamers. That's what we want to do is play games. We want to talk about it and share experiences, whether I'm playing Stardew Valley on my PC or Austin's playing Wayward, you know, Skyward Sword on his 
uh, Switch prototype. Uh, it's we, we just want to talk about games and share experiences, and that's what it comes down to. And we are so long past those days where it's about the fanboys on the forums blowing each other up. I mean, back when we were teenagers, maybe that was the cool thing to do. But now it's just like we want to come home at the end of the day and enjoy time with our family and friends. Yeah, agreed. Which is uh, – that kind of brings me to like – sort of back to the um the matter of like where these three consoles have headed and why the wars are obsolete so to speak like so just PlayStation has gone for lack of a better term it's gone the hardcore gamer route so they're trying to appeal to the people who will play you know God of War they'll play The Last of Us they'll play uh, even like Call of Duty, you know what I mean? Like they're going that route where Nintendo, they've kind of doubled down on their accessibility route with the like, we want you to be able to play our games wherever you go. So they've got, you know, the Switch, which is handheld, but it's also your home console or whatever. And they've also got a really thriving indie scene. Like indie developers are developing for the Switch like fucking crazy. It's ridiculous how many indie developers are over with Nintendo right now. And then Microsoft has got this whole games are for everyone route. And they've, they've kind of settled into that with their game pass and the accessibility options with like the, uh, that one controller that they made for disabled children and stuff like that. And Microsoft is really taking that to heart. And they've been the one who's been pushing for, Crossplay, you know they they had that deal with Nintendo where they got, uh, I believe it was Minecraft and Fortnite crossplay between the two of them before PlayStation ever jumped on board. Like Microsoft is doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on games are for everyone, and I think that that really speaks to what Dylan is saying, where like we want to talk about the experiences we've had, so we we go to wherever we can find those experiences. So it, do, it doesn't necessarily matter which one of the consoles we're playing on. We're talking about the games that we're playing. Yeah. About the games. About now. The That's game. the whole reason I feel like this podcast started was because it was a group of gamers who wanted to come together and talk about what they love. And not once did we sit down and think, okay, Austin is the X or uh, Austin is the Nintendo guy. Josh is the, xbox guy dylan's the pc guy it's just like we just want to play games and talk about them and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day yeah agreed uh now so with that said um there are two things that i think are are still something to uh, that are still kind of keeping this thing alive right and that one of those things is exclusives. And I mean, I think we've kind of set our point where we're just talking about the games, but like, do do you guys think that exclusives even matter anymore? Like, I don't think, I think exclusives matter in the sense that it helps sell a console, but I don't think that that's a valid point to why you should have this console as opposed to this console, because it all comes down to what you want. But, I mean, 
Sony is killing it with the exclusives. I mean, if you want to look at it from that regard, then it's a pretty... I mean, but you got to look at Nintendo, too, because Nintendo stuff is only their stuff. And look at Animal Crossing, Mario, Pokemon. You know, there's so many. It's like exclusives don't matter in the sense that my system is better than yours. It just matters about what you want to play. Yeah, that's yeah, that's agreed. kind of the route with that that I was uh, going to take. Like the when I bought my when I bought my second PS4, the only reason I bought that console was to play Spider Man. That's it. Mm. Um, luckily, I was able to finish Spider Man before that PS4 uh, magically shit out on me. But <laughs> it, I think they do kind of like what Dylan said. They they matter in a certain aspect, but even at the end of the day, uh, different genres and and franchises it's all it's all subjective. It all comes down to what you're into. Like take Doom for example. Doom is a phenomenal franchise. Doom Eternal to the people that were into it. I can see how Doom Eternal would have been a ten out of ten game. I, I played the first two, the first three missions of it, and for for what it was, it was a phenomenal game. But first person shooters, typically, with the exception of Halo, because I fucking love Halo, but with the exception of Halo, I'm not into first person shooters. The only reason I play Modern Warfare is because all my other friends play Modern Warfare, and I play it with them. But very rarely will you catch me playing Modern Warfare solo in my downtime. Because I'm just, I, I don't give a shit about first-person shooters. They're not immersive to me. I can't really sit down and play them for hours at a time. But when it comes to uh, RPGs and stuff like that, and like action-adventure games, super into that shit. Specifically JRPGs, which I think is why I love the Switch as much as I do. Um, so it, it's just... The fact that people try to use exclusives as a reason to say, "Oh, well, well, the PS4 is better because you know we got we got Spider Man," which don't get me wrong, Spider Man was a phenomenal game, but when you break it down, it was an Arkham, it was a Rocksteady Arkham game with a Spider Man skin over it. I mean that that's that's what they played like. They played exactly like the Arkham franchise. And, and so really, a great game. If I wanted to play a game like that, but didn't own a PS4. I can just go play Arkham City or Arkham Knight, I, not Arkham Origins because it was terrible, but I can go play any of the Arkham games oh, that exist. Oh, no. Are you one of those people? What What do you mean one of those people? Arkham Origins is a good game. <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Chief. Oh, no, no. Arkham Origins is a very, very good game. And people just shit I, on it because it wasn't made by Rocksteady. Like... If if they did not have like if if no one knew who was developing that game and no one said shit about Rocksteady not being the developer, everyone would love that game and I will fucking see that till the day I die. I'm gonna disagree with you because that's not why I didn't like that game. Okay, okay. Why did you not like it? The biggest thing that killed me about that game was the voice acting. The voice acting is atrocious. Uh. <sighs> I oh, I don't know, man. Like, I can see your point for some of them, but as a whole, I think that game is really good and really well voice acted. This is and this is gonna sound. This might sound a little stupid, but for me, it's the canonical uh, aspect. Um, 
they they did not have to switch every major voice the way that they did with that game. They Yeah, well, I think that they the reason that they did that is because it was supposed to be a lower budget game and it was from a Yeah, and it absolutely was because it was developed by Montreal. Yeah. But I just I there was just something about the the voice actors behind Batman and the Joker, they did not fit to me. They did not seem fitting to me. Dude, I, I straight up agree with you on the Joker. I like Troy Baker as a voice actor. I think he's very good, specifically in, like, I think he's excellent in both of the Last of Us games. And uh, I don't remember who he voiced in Borderlands, He but he was in one of, the, one of the Borderlands games, and I remember liking him a lot in that. I, I think he overall is very good, but he... He did not. I I did not like his Joker at all. Did he not do both Batman and Joker in Arkham Origins? Uh, no, he did Batman in the Telltale Batman games. But that's right. That's where I'm thinking of that from. That's right. And I I want to say he voiced Joker in another project too. Uh, he may have voiced Joker in like one of the Lego Batman games. Yeah, I think that might be where I'm getting that from. But either way, the just it was just something about the voice acting, the pacing of the game. The game was glitchy as hell, by the way. Uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was. It was it, no. It the fact that every time, every single time, I'm going to get in the bat plane to go somewhere, there's like a 10, 15 second glitch pause where it just the cinematic just stops. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't played it in a while, so maybe you're right. But you also like Fallout, and those games are glitchy as fuck. So, um, I, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's that's a fair. Um, and it's not like I haven't recently played Arkham Origins. I played through Arkham Origins like four or five months ago. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe I'm wrong because I I genuinely haven't played it since it came out, and that was what twenty. 20- it's for for a low budget game because I kind of I kind of forgot about that aspect of it was that the game was uh, it wasn't a low budget title but it was certainly the budget was definitely lower than what Arkham City and what Arkham Knight had to work with. Yeah, which I'm gonna go ahead and also say is probably the reason why Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy didn't reprise their voices because it probably yeah. wasn't affordable with the budget. That that's exactly what I think it was, but. But um, for what it was, it's not a bad game. But for me, it is definitely, if I'm going to replay an Arkham game, the last one on the list is going to be Arkham Origins. Mm, I mean, I suppose that's fair. Arkham City is the greatest in the entire franchise. I agree with that, actually. I do. I, I love Arkham City. I can replay that thousands of times. It's a phenomenal game. Shit, what were we even talking about when we got sidetracked? You <laughs> were talking about Spider-Man, and that brought up a good point. Because That's right. Uh, yeah, in yeah. terms of exclusives, I think Sony did kill it with Spider-Man. But something this week that's happening that's driving me up a fucking wall is that they have secured Spider-Man as an exclusive for the new Avengers title that is coming out. Yeah, I was... <laughs> it, is God, not it. it is not good. good. Because... No. 
the fact and the fact that um, we're all paying for the same game, and some mm-hmm. of us can't get to play as our favorite superhero. Like I have the shit tattooed on my arm. Spider-Man is my hero. I'm not buying a PS5 just to play as Spider-Man. That shit is no. I I think you want to know something else that's a little bit infuriating about that. Nintendo has uh, Marvel versus Capcom uh, three. Or no, no, it's, no, I'm it's sorry. Ultimate Alliance. Is it? Ultimate Alliance. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah, has that exclusively. It's only on Nintendo. And guess who's a playable character? Yeah, yeah. fucking exactly. Spider Man. So why? Voiced by the same guy that voices him in the PS4 yes. title. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the uh, the I don't know if you guys read the the studio head's response to the criticism of that. Oh, no, I didn't. Please enlighten me. Oh, my God, dude. It is the most incoherent babble I've ever seen in my life. It, like, he doesn't even string sentences together. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's Are we talking about the studio head or our president? I'm I'm lost here. Or which... Uh... I mean, yeah, either way, I get what you're saying. It could have been anyone, honestly. It's, it could have been either of them who said this shit. That's just where exclusives go wrong. Like, they sh- they are not entitled to that IP whatsoever. Like, you have games out there right now with that same hero in it. Like Josh just said, there's not a goddamn problem. But the fact that we're about to release our first Avengers game, like, in that regard... Like, I'm not counting Ultimate Alliance, even though you can form your own team. I'm saying this is our first Avengers game that we've had post-Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this is going to be huge. But Sony just nailed the coffin on Spider-Man. We can't even get him out the grave now because they're so locked in their ways. I hope the back, you know, just everything happening changes the outcome, but I don't think it's going to. And I I think what makes that situation worse is the fact that uh, Crystal also came out and admitted there are no other exclusive characters in development. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning that had they have given Xbox an exclusive character, that would have been cool. I would have been down for that. But the fact that it's specifically PlayStation that's getting one of the most prominent Marvel characters as an exclusive, like, uh, uh, playable character that's fucking ridiculous that that's no. what's terrible. if i already didn't hate the, the way that game was going that would have that would have done it for me i was already not gonna buy it because i think the game looks horrible but i it, now i'm definitely gonna steer clear away from it yeah that game is no longer that was one of my i'm not gonna say most anticipated games but i was watching its career with great interest and i yeah i was too <laughs> And now I just couldn't give less of a shit about it. That was a good one. I like that. That was a very good one. Okay. But no, now it has lost all its steam, and I will not even, unless they they rectify it. And I want an apology because I feel personally offended that they did that. I specifically want I want a formal, personalized apology. Yes. Yes. That's not too much to ask. And I don't know if you guys heard about this. Um even though going back to the greater topic of console wars, this might actually make that situation worse. Um, but there, there was, there was some information uh, floating around Reddit and other channels like, and other forums like that, that uh, Microsoft was actually in the process of purchasing uh, Warner brothers interactive. 
And then it, yeah, I saw that. That was, and then it sparks the question: Well, if they purchase Warner Brothers Interactive, uh, because of how IPs kind of string down like that, is there the possibility of Batman games becoming exclusively Xbox titles? God. Uh, well, since since it's the entire gaming division of Warner Brothers, I would say yes. Yeah. Uh, and strictly because, like, if if Microsoft just bought uh, TT Games or just bought Rocksteady or whatever, they wouldn't necessarily have the uh, the agreement or like licenses or whatever. Yeah, to to make those exclusive because they don't own the IP. But if they buy the gaming division of Warner Brothers including all of its studios, then they definitively would have rights to those characters. And I kind of hope that that's the case. I kind of want that to happen. I just don't See, feel well, like they would lock Batman behind. I feel like they would let him venture out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that That's the thing with, with Microsoft in particular is I don't think Microsoft is playing that game anymore. Microsoft... Yeah owns Mojang and owns the Minecraft IP, but Minecraft is on every platform. Every single one. But like, am I not mistaken? Not, is the Minecraft version on PlayStation 4 still not the one that's caught up to where we are, though? Uh, yeah, I think the the PS4 one is lagging behind and everything else is, is up to date, but I think that has to do with Sony. I think you're right, like, because I'm pretty sure the Switch has the brand new update, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not mistaken. So, Dude, I but didn't even know it was on that. Switch. Oh, really? I I figured. Yeah, I figured as much. Ex- yeah, I mean, but, everywhere in its current form except the PlayStation. But like you said, generally Microsoft nowadays that I've seen wants to play fair. Wants to play fair. It wants. To yeah, play they really fair. don't. They seem to not really give a shit about exclusive labels at this point. And that's why I that's love why them I as a company because they're trying to play nice with Nintendo like they're working with Nintendo on so much and I think that's what gaming companies should do but in the back of my head you know I still see Sony over there you know in the corner you know my precious you know doing that stuff holding on to all its exclusives and stuff but like everyone else just is like yes take my take my help you know Microsoft helping switch do what they need with the online thing is that still going on like are they still working with Nintendo and uh, uh trying to better the- their online systems there are uh, there are definitely rumors that um, Xbox Live is coming to Switch and uh, that Microsoft and Nintendo are still like in real like talks with one another, like actively helping each other out. But uh, I I don't know the specifics of everything. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I you know trailed off to, and I've not heard much about it, which is probably good because that means they're still in my head working on it in some way, shape, or form. So that's good. And that's how it should yeah. be. There should be, you know, help between the systems and the, the powerhouse companies because there's only three of them. You look at people like Google trying to do their thing in the gaming world and they're failing miserably. And it's just. Yeah, well, that was one of the thing at the uh, the Game Awards when they came out and said that uh, the Project X Cloud or whatever was going to be available to all three of the major consoles because Dude, they they came out and said, "Fuck you, Stadia." Oh yeah, but but I mean, Microsoft was the one who was like at the forefront there. They're like, "We're working on this streaming technology, and we're going to get it to all platforms." And that's like what, truly, man. That's to me that in itself says what it needs to about the console wars. I mean, 
None of, and I, I'm not saying that Sony is still in that pig-headed state of mind. It's just they're having a track record right now that's not looking the best when the other two companies are playing friendly and getting along, and Sony is over there doing what they need to. And you know what? When you're at the top of the you know food chain right now, there's a part of me that can't blame them because they are doing everything else right in terms of yeah. selling great hardware and selling the perfect exclusives and just driving you know the hardcore gamers like you were talking about i mean they i can't stress enough how phenomenal this year has been with them simply between the ghosts of tsushima and the last of us part two they could just seal the show right there because i still see stuff on the daily between both of those games and they've both been out for what a month or month or two i mean usually yeah. i mean it's still ghosts has been out for i think like three weeks and uh the last of us two has been out almost two months. Yeah. So we're right there and I'm still seeing stuff every day. Um, it's just because they're so good and that's what Sony did right this generation. Um, and they're at the top of the food chain. So maybe right now they don't feel like they have to play nice, you know, in the whole grand scheme of things. But come this next generation, when I feel like Microsoft has the chance to, in the sense of what Sony did this generation, I feel like Microsoft has a chance to do that this coming generation. But Sony has a huge bit of momentum carrying them forward. Like the specs on those consoles are a little, I'm not going to say critical because they're not that different, but the Xbox does take it, but it's not enough for the Sony fans to be like, yeah, I don't know. It's not looking too good. Cause it's, it's looking like a great console. Yeah. I, 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 I actually made a re- uh, re- revelation uh, last night that I actually I might be leaning more towards the PS5 this year. I think I am going to get both, but I think that PS5 is the one that I'm leaning towards also. At, at least yeah, first. I would like to get both. It, I'm I'm kind of waiting to see if Xbox does announce that uh, the the Series X Lockhart that's rumored to also be in development. Um, that would be a smaller, cheaper, more affordable version of the series. It would have the same specs, but it wouldn't have a disc drive. Yeah, yeah, and it would be really digital anyway. Yeah, and it would be relatively cheaper because I I don't buy physical for for Xbox. I haven't in probably four or five years i think i'm right there with you when i did get stuff it was straight digital so i i'm 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 definitely leaning more towards the ps5 this year for the simple fact that microsoft has come out and said hey there's not going to be any exclusive titles for the series x for the first one to two years of of launch so there there's no there's no point in me rushing out and getting a Series X this year when I'm going to be able to play Halo Infinite on my Xbox One X that's going to look almost just as good on a 4K console and a 4K TV. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could get a PS5 and be able to play all those exclusives that I wouldn't have the chance to normally if I went with the Series X. That's that momentum. I mean, they they are carrying themselves so proudly into this next generation that... Mm-hmm. It's going to be close. I mean, in terms of the oh, yeah. sales and everything, um, Nintendo's still rocking hard with the Switch. That's not going to slow down anytime soon. I mean, they still no. have great things on the horizon with Breath of the Wild 2 and the second expansion for Pokemon is coming out. 
Um, new Dude, I, I, stuff all the time. My body cannot physically wait for when when they announce Breath of the Wild two. I'm pre-ordering the most expensive version of that game that exists. <laughs> I I think you've said that on every single. I, th- I was podcast. flashing I was back. Flashing. I'm not even joking. I was like, <laughs> this is deja vu. And you know what? I'm gonna say it on every episode until that shit gets announced. <laughs> Nintendo, please. Uh, please. Help them out. Well, especially if, we dude, it, oh my God, if they do a limited edition switch to coincide with it, oh my God. I would salivate. So we, uh, we pretty much beat that dead horse. Uh, so why don't we go on and get to what we've been playing? And I will start us out with a game that you guys just sort of glossed over in Pokemon Shield. Oh, you're playing it still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, off and on, again, I'm not very far. I think I'm through two gems now because I've just been playing it like here and there when I can. Um, so, how mad do you guys want to get at me? Oh, shit. You better not. Oh, no, no, no. Don't piss me off. <laughs> Don't make me mad. Don't tell me it's I... your favorite Pokemon game. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Okay. That's what... No, that's X and Y, right? Oh, that's fine. I don't... Oh, God. I hate you. I hate you, Austin. <laughs> it's X and Y were the were the pinnacle of the franchise. All right. Listen. I'm kidding. Those are actually my most hated games in the franchise. Here's the thing. I don't think Pokemon is for me anymore. Oh, that does make me a little sad and didn't make me mad. That actually kind of pulled up my heartstrings, though. Not even the I original think, games? Well, so here's here's my problem. I think that Pokemon is still the same series that it was on the Green, Game Boy Advance. Or not Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy. Sorry. And no. that bothers me well okay so there have been a lot of quality of life changes specifically in the last couple of games like the the getting the uh xp share at the start of the game and being able to accurately and uh in game track ivs and evs like all of that stuff has really added to the quality of life with those games but the core gameplay is still the exact fucking same. It's still go out, fight Pokemon to, to level up, catch Pokemon to get the, the Pokedex and then go battle other people. And when specifically when you get into the battling, dude, nothing has changed. If I know what type of gym leader or like Pokemon, a gym leader is rocking, I can go in and just with one Pokemon decimate an entire team because I know that team's weakness. And like, there's no strategy to that. Like it, there's nothing keeping me engaged in these new Pokemon games because all, all I have to do, literally all I have to do when I am facing a gym leader who are the bosses of the game is figure out what their weakness is and I can go in and I can wreck it. And that to to me, like when I was when I was playing Pokemon for the first time and it was sort of like baby's first RPG, that was awesome for me because it made me feel smart. But now I'm fucking 32, man. I like 
I I know that grass beats water. So if I have a, a team that's being run with just water, I'm going to take my fucking Bulbasaur out and I'm going to fucking whip shit. You know what I mean? I think what you're saying makes sense. And then on the same hand, or on the other hand, sorry, it doesn't. Because the biggest complaint right now is that they're changing too much in the game. And that's, yeah, what you, you hit the point of the EXP share. That's what everyone's complaining about. It's way too easy to level up, blah, blah, blah. But then they start adding shit that they just don't need to add, like the Dynamaxing and the Gigamaxing. That, I understand. Yeah, cool yeah, shit. all of those are just gimmicks. It's a gimmick, and like, there's they, a new gimmick every generation, and they shouldn't be doing that. But I think the magic yeah. of Pokemon comes from that thing that you're growing tired of. It's, you know what to do, but, like, you also... And I think the games are really hand-holding now, Josh. That's one of the, my biggest complaints about it. It's like... That's that's my biggest gripe, just straight up. Yes, hand holdy as hell, and especially with these past two generations. I'll include Alola, Sun and Moon in this, too, because they did the same thing. It's like, back in the day, I felt like I had to do more work to get information on the gym. You know, I mean, yeah, I could go in there and, like, let's just say I'm in Ecrotuke City and um, Silver and Gold and, like, Instantly, I'm kind of getting this creepy vibe, so, you know, you're getting a darker sense, and then you go into the burn tower, and you see, okay, this is where a tragic story happened, blah, 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 you know, Pokemon died here, and then it kind of starts to click. It's like, oh, this is the ghost gym leader, and then you walk into the gym when you're finally allowed to, and it's pitch black, and you start going up against the the um, practice trainers in the gym or whatever, and you're seeing the ghastly on haunters come out, it's like... You start to piece things together, you know, bit by bit, and you fast forward to now, and it's almost blatantly telling you exactly what the person is before you walk into the gym. Like, there's no exploring. It was With Sword and Shield especially, it was just straightforward. There was no even story up until the last hour of the game, really. I mean, it's... With those older games, it, it does so well of, like, encourage, encouraging you to explore and go further and see new sites but these new games man it 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 sticks to that same story but it it drags you along on a leash all the way through it without you even getting to really experience much because there's not that much to experience anymore it kind of so i'm going to disagree with with both of you on the on the gimmick aspect of the franchise um i think that a lot of people, including me, would have lost interest in the franchise a long tom- time ago if it wasn't for the gimmicks. And the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is because a lot of the times the gimmicks are actually relevant to the lore of the setting you're exploring. And I think that's neat. I think that that's a nice little tie in like uh, like Mega Evolution. Yeah, it kind of extended to Hoenn with the uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire remakes. And although I do fucking hate X and Y with a passion, they're awful. They're terrible. Um, Mega Evolution, as far as someone who plays, as far as someone who plays competitively, Mega Evolution was a huge change of pace because it it took a lot of Pokemon that were actually awful and made them really fucking good. Yeah, now, of Mega course, Evolution they was fine. I did like that. I'm not going to lie. They 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 took powerhouses like Garchomp and Lucario that were already phenomenal in their own right and made them even more overpowered than they should have been. 
but they took Pokemon like they took Pokemon like Ampharos and Slowbro and Pidgeot, things you wouldn't probably use other than maybe an in-game only playthrough, and actually made them competitively viable by changing their stats and abilities. And even when we get to when you get to Sun and Moon with the Z moves, they're stupid. They don't make any sense, but they're involved in the lore of the region. And it goes back to the ultra beasts and the ultra dimensions and the energy that pours out of them. And collecting the Z crystals is kind of like a rite of passage for the trainers in Alola. And I thought that was neat. I thought that was really interesting how they took the, they took your standard gym formula, replaced it with the Z crystal or what do they, what do they call Island trials? I think is what they were called. Um, they, the Island trials were like a rite of passage for the, for the trainers that grew up in that region. Um, and then I think it would have been cooler if they didn't do the elite four at the end of it. They really didn't have to bring that back, but I guess they, there's not really a whole lot they could have done other than the elite four. And what a lazy elite four it was. Come on. It was still better than X and Y's elite four. I didn't have a problem with X and Y, but that's another day, I guess. <laughs> it was, and and then so, when you get to Gigantamaxing in Sword and Shield, um, it has the lore behind Eternatus and and the and the two uh, uh, pup pup wolf doggos. So, yeah, it, so I, I, I like what you're mix. saying, right? Like I I completely get it. Here's my problem, though. They write the lore. It's not like they have the lore of these Pokemon already written up when the new b- before they even start work on the new game. So they're intentionally adding gimmicks and then putting the lore to kind of back. That's it up, my issue. Which, I mean, that's fine. I guess if like if you want to add a new mechanic, you you have to have the lore along with it. That makes that to me makes sense. But that doesn't mean that the the gimmicks themselves are good just because they're, they're tied to lore because they have to have a reasoning behind it. You, does that make sense? That's where I'm coming from. That's why I do not, everything after mega evolution, I do not like it was, I don't like the Z moves and I certainly do not like the dynamaxing, but I put up. I I think I I don't know. uh, I know Josh doesn't, but, and Dylan, I don't know about you Um, from, Again, from a a competitive player uh, standpoint, Gigantamax is a million is a million times better than um, than Mega Evolution Z moves. Z moves don't really matter because you were able to do Z moves and Mega Evolution in, in Gen Seven, and so I don't know. I'm not. I don't miss those. But with it, it, it breathe. It was a new breath of fresh air for the competitive scene because, in my opinion. Mega Evolutions were really fucking overpowered because the only way to get rid of that Mega Evolution was to knock that Pokemon out. They could switch it out and it would st- it would stay Mega Evolved. And if if it wasn't something that you were that you that you had a response to, you would pretty much already lost that battle. There was really no coming back from that if you didn't have a response for that specific Mega Evolution. Um, but when it comes to Gigantamax moves or Gigantamax and Dynamax Pokemon, they're really powerful. They have a lot of HP and they can do a lot of damage. However, 
you only get it for three turns and you cannot switch out that Gigantamax Pokemon. So if you Gigantamax at the wrong time, you could cost yourself that match very, very easily. So it, I really like the, the, the Gigantamax um, mechanic is the word I, I guess I was looking for. And I do, I do see what you're both saying about the gimmicks. Um, I can get how those get kind of old, but I'm into it. I think Josh, they're pretty cool. Josh, I told you that as soon as you started talking about Sword and Shield, I was going to go off. I've been harboring a lot of rage with this game. <laughs> <laughs> they, they need it. I, there's a lot of things about Sword and Shield that I don't like. And I've well, I so I here's my here's my biggest complaint, right? So they're doing these things to kind of like quote unquote update the game. They're adding the Gigantamax and they're adding new Pokemon and stuff like that. What are you doing to make the game different? Like th- these things are not fundamentally like evolving what Pokemon is. It's still that rock paper scissors type of combat where you like with the same sort of like light RPG elements. Like they, they haven't even like they added those new uh, kind of like regions where you can go around and it is semi like it's open world in those little regions. But like, why the fuck would you not just make Pokemon a fully open world game? Like I like, and there, I don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are things that I, really genuinely like about what they've added over the years with Pokemon. Like for instance, in shield specifically, they have added the fact that like you can see the Pokemon that you're going to uh, do battle with in the little like grassy areas or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, And like, that is awesome because if I see a Pokemon that I don't need to catch, and I'm in a region that like I've already been through, then I don't have to fuck around and I can just go to where I need to go. And that's wonderful. That is a great, uh, what's the word that I used earlier? Um, quality of life. That's a huge quality of life improvement. Well, it's immersive Over what well. the games used to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not it, like if, if you were in actual Pokemon land or whatever, like – you would be able to see the Pokemon in the grass because these motherfuckers are gigantic. Oh, yeah. Like, they're not just, like, tiny little mice, you know, that you see in fields in Africa where you can't fucking see them. You know what I mean? Like, you would be able to see these motherfuckers. They're, like, fucking three feet tall and weigh 5,000 pounds. Like, That's, you would be able to see these Pokemon. Yep. That is a huge so, like, difference. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I remember back in the day when, like, uh, the Pokedex would list, like, Snorlax. It's, like, four foot two, and it weighs 8,000 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, god damn, Snorlax. Yeah, I think, like, like Koopa Jesus. weighs, like, seven Lay off the berries, G. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and <sighs> the anime's hilarious when it comes to the scale because it's, like, like in uh, during the gold and silver days, you saw Ash just walking around carrying a Larvitar like it weighed nothing. And then you go back to the Pokedex and it weighs like 900 pounds. Like, damn, homie, lift. <laughs> right. Be able to walk around uh, carrying. I that. laughed really hard in Shield when uh, like you see Charizard with uh, what's his name? Leon, I think. And it's just as tall. Yeah. when It's just as tall as him. But that motherfucker weighs like 600 oh, pounds. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. 
Yeah, so, here's the thing. I'm going to continue to play it because it is sort of that mind-numbingly, like, comfort food. I mean, that that's what it is. Like, I'm kind of in the mood for an RPG, but I don't want to devote my time to, like... Uh, uh, Dragon Age 11 right now or the f- finishing the Final Fantasy 7 remake which I haven't finished yet I don't want to devote the time to those RPGs because they they actually do require a little bit more out of me you know what I mean which you know what actually that kind of speaks to something Dragon Age 11 right I, ha- I have put maybe I don't know maybe two hours into it but that game already is significantly more advanced than Pokemon is, and it's still a turn-based RPG. Like, I, I just don't understand why Pokemon in this day and age is still stuck in the same sort of mindset that it was stuck in like 20 years ago. Because it works, because as much of a failure as I see the game as being, I still play it and I still enjoy it. And if it works and it sells, what are they going to change? I mean, yeah, that, that's fair. And like I said, I'm I'm going to continue to play it because it is that that yep. comfort food. It's just I have these problems with it, and I want something more because I know something more can be done. It can you know what I mean? Be if they just spent the time on it, I feel like this was too rushed. Like I would have been perfectly fine waiting two more years for another Pokemon game, because what am I doing well, right now? I'm playing Pokemon Platinum, and I could have waited the, two the more. The thing that a lot of people don't take into consideration with the Pokemon games is, and I know it sounds like I'm just kind of like biasly defending them at this point. <laughs> yeah, you biased fuck. No, okay. So, but this is a valid. <laughs> this is a valid argument. Um, Game Freak as a whole, they can't take the time that I know Game Freak wants to take with these games. Uh, contractually and legally, they can't. Because they have the Pokemon company breathing down their neck saying, hey, um, new season of the anime drops in November and the cards are rolling out in November. So we need this game out a week before then, period. Right. No exceptions. I mean, that's 100 percent right. And I don't blame Game Freak because I know they expect more from themselves or, or something along those lines. It's just the Pokemon company. What is the biggest media franchise in the world, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you, that's a valid point, and I, I always feel like a lot of my hate comes off as hate towards Game Freak. It's not. It's what the Pokemon company has become as a whole. It seems like it's monetization around every corner. Think, fuck. There's not microtransactions in these games yet. Oh god. Just wait. Yep. Yep. Just wait. Five dollars. No, see, Pokeball. That's the. That's. A lot of people are like joke about the microtransactions, but Nintendo is when it comes to microtransactions, Nintendo is really um, they seem to be against that because there's so many Nintendo games that they could throw microtransactions into and they could probably get away with it. You're right. Like games like Animal Crossing, Pokemon. Oh, God, Animal Crossing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Animal Crossing seems just ripe for that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. You're not right. And look at um, look at Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, played those or, or looked into that game at all. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a system in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 called the Blade System. And basically, you collect these crystals over the course of your adventure. You can awaken these crystals, and they turn into, like, lolly anime girls that oh, help you fight. Jesus. 
okay, most of them aren't lolly. There are some that are like adult age and busty as hell, but most some most of them are lolly. This is a bad podcast. <laughs> this is a weird episode. But Nintendo could have easily, oh God, they could have so easily put microtransactions to utilize that blade system and make them more money. But Nintendo was like, you know what? We're just going to make it make you able to find all of them over the course of your adventure. They still have a bullshit RNG element to them. And I guess technically they have some form of microtransaction with that because you get a shit ton of like, quote unquote, legendary core crystals when you buy the season pass. You get just a ridiculous fucking amount of them. Um, But they could it seems Nintendo has a pretty hard stance uh, against microtransactions. And I do respect them for that. Because that would I, that would turn me off of Nintendo to know that the microtransactions exist. Yeah, I agree with you there. What what was it? I think it was Mortal Kombat 11 that when it launched, if you wanted, if you wanted to buy everything possible without playing the game that you could possibly buy on launch in Mortal Kombat 11, it would cost you eleven thousand yeah. dollars. Uh, that's a that's a, com- a completely different conversation to have. Honestly, yeah, you started this whole yeah, thing with just telling me you've been playing Pokemon, whatever. Pokemon by the way, whatever. yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, it, uh, you guys have been also right, Austin. You've been playing what Leaf Green and what it, what is XD? Yes, I, I I I finished Leaf Green um, the other day, and then the next day. I I had already started Platinum and played through it like a month ago, and I just never finished it. Um, I went back to it, beat the Elite Four, had massive PTSD facing Cynthia. Uh, she is just fucking ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm I've actually been playing XD the entire duration of this podcast because it's oh wow it's mind numbing, and I can do that. It doesn't take any real thought. Um, XD. Wait, the podcast is mind numbing, or Pokemon XD is mind numbing. Pokemon XD is mind numbing. It, it takes no real thought. Uh, well, I'm not gonna lie. I just struggled with a boss battle because I'm focused on the podcast and wasn't well, paying attention to what I was doing. The right thing to do. <laughs> but um, XD was the uh, the C- the GameCube sequel to Coliseum. It's pretty much the same oh. thing. You explore the same region, fight the same people. But there's an expanded list of Pokemon. You can catch wild Pokemon now. Fantastic game. It's one of my favorites in the franchise. Oh, that's good. The whole Shadow Pokeball thing was just such a cool gimmick. And I do like that they have integrated that into Pokemon Go, but I also don't know anyone who still plays Pokemon Go. Oh, God. Damn. If only you could see me on break every day. <laughs> hey, I, pl- I still play it too, bro. I, oh. I'm still in it too. So what you're saying is you don't know yourself. You haven't. you haven't. Other people. I don't know other people that still play it. Well, hey, after this, I'm going to add you as a friend. I'll bet. I I got back into it mostly just for Josie, because Josie is obsessed with Pokemon, which was kind of inevitable. Dude, the, the last time I was over at your house, and she was like, Pokemon? And you're like, no, you're not getting my phone, and then she pitched a fit. That shit was so fucking funny to me. Yeah, she she does that. She uh she we used to let her like whenever we'd be watching TV or something, uh we used to let her just like play on our phones and and do what she wanted. But it uh, <laughs> it got kind of out of control to the point where like 
We'd take the phone from her. We'd be like, all right, Josie, it's bedtime. And she would just fucking melt. <laughs> and now we're just kind of like, okay, we're going to take a couple steps back, kid. You're, you're getting some uh, technology revoked. Well, so, mm, interesting. but that's, that's why I started playing again was cause it, it was fun for us when we're, cause, cause I live next to downtown Buford. I live right next to fucking main street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll take walks down main street and play Pokemon go and shit like that pretty often. Uh, well, um, something that I have been playing uh, as much as you have been playing Pokemon, the both of you probably is. I've been playing Dead by Daylight still. Uh, I won't bring this. I won't bring this up every every podcast. I swear, okay. but it's it's relevant right now because the new, uh, for lack of a better term, season has started. So uh, they instituted a bunch of new challenges to get through. Dude, it's um. It's really interesting. The characters that they're going through this time are, uh, oh my god, the the hag is one of the killers that they're expounding lore on. And dude, I hate uh, people who play as the fucking hag. Oh my god, <laughs> I fucking hate it. I, I forget the other two characters that they're exp- uh, like they're exploring and adding like kind of backstories to and stuff. But um, yeah, it, the game is. S- it's still super fun. I I relayed to you guys the story. Or no, I actually didn't tell you guys the story of what happened. But so the other night I was playing with my friend Sean and then my um uh he had to get off or whatever. So I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna do one last game. And uh I had been I, I don't play as the killer because I suck as the killer. Like I just I don't fucking do it. And so I was like, well, I'm gonna play one final game, and you know what? I'm just going to play as Michael because he's my he's my favorite uh, horror character. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do it. And I hop in this game and immediately start just rolling up on these kids and, like, fucking up their day. And uh, the, the match ended. They were able to uh, open the door, but I still managed to sacrifice three of them before the final guy got out. So it was really, really fucking awesome for me. Cause I, again, I suck as the killer. So like I went in there and wrecked shop and I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the game's stupid fun. I mean, just, it's really, really stupid fun and I'm having a blast with it. So, uh, Dylan, how's, how's Pokemon platinum treating you? Uh, Stardew Valley's treating me better. Treating me better. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, fair yeah, enough. No, I mean, I was playing Platinum for a hot minute. I love playing it. Um, and I still do play it like every few days. It's just that uh, when I started playing Stardew Valley, you guys know I can't stop. Um, it's so much fun, man. I was just because I look at it from a different angle now. Um, again, I'm going to talk about fishing. But now that I've been going fishing a lot more in my downtime in real life, I can appreciate the fishing much more inside of um, Stardew Valley because it's like I, I was asking, you know, Sabrina, my girlfriend earlier, where to go fishing in the game. And then she picked a location and I went there and I'm starting to catch 
largemouth bass and carp and rainbow trout and these are fish that i either catch or i see on my outings and it's just cool because i can invest myself in another type of way and it's just so much more fun i find new ways to love the game every time i go back and play and that's i mean still number one for me i can't have i don't have another game that comes close to stardew valley in terms of the happiness and the serenity that it provides me even pokemon drives me fucking insane half the time so that's why stardew is just up there man like i have a good time every time i go back and it's just josh i mean you're looking for one of those games that you want to play an rpg but you don't want to delve into final fantasy or dragon quest i mean stardew has a lot of rpg elements because like i'm leveling up my fishing trying to get better at it i mean it's just, oh. it's just one of speaking of uh speaking of stardew valley I am super oh excited Did you? that they they announced it. So what I thought was just an exclusive, like the only physical edition that Stardew Valley ever got for the Switch was actually a Japanese-only release, which makes sense why it's so expensive. Well, about a, about probably about two or three weeks ago, they actually announced that in America, for Switch owners, we are getting a physical release for Stardew Valley. Hell yeah, man. When's it coming out? Um, I don't think it has a date yet. They just said, I think, I think it just said winter 2020. Oh, that's not far away at all. So I'm definitely, um, there's supposed to be like a bigger collector edition at Best Buy. So I'm probably going to look into that, but I'm definitely going for, I would like to get the collector's edition, but even if I don't, I'm still going to get the standard retail. I I really want to play Stardew Valley. Purchase and you'll be able to play like you're gonna delve into it by yourself. But if Madison or your daughter ever wanted to play with you, they can pick up too, and you guys can start a farm together. That's what's so cool. You're not just limited to doing your own thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna be great, man. I'm I'm happy you get to play it. I saw Josh bought it back in June and has played it all of like three and a half minutes. Uh, I actually have played it for about fifteen. Minutes, oh, sir! Wow, you made it past the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no that's all i've been uh okay okay well uh austin tell me about your time with halo you've been playing the master chief collection right yeah i've been i've been playing a lot of the master chief collection and a lot of halo 5 um halo 1 i didn't even realize that you had played halo 5 oh yeah i hate it but yeah the story. I hate the story. Halo 5's multiplayer to me is the best that the multiplayer's ever been, with the exception of maybe Reach. Mm, um, I think I might agree with you, except for on the Reach part. I think 2 is... It's between 2 and 5 for me. That's fair. That's that's also fair. I liked... I think the only thing... The only thing I liked Reach's multiplayer a little bit more than 2 is just the customization aspect. Mm, yeah, yeah. I I love the customization of Halo Reach and the fact that your 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 multiplayer character was actually how your character was portrayed in the in the actual campaign, making you feel like a like a genuinely unique Spartan. And up until Reach, we haven't really gotten the ability to do that yet. Yeah, yeah agree. I know I know Halo Three had like the different armor sets, but like obviously they were locked to multiplayer. And they were some of them were fucking ridiculous to get like the God, what was the the samurai one like the Hayabusa armor was oh, a pain in the yeah. dick to ever try to fucking get. 
and then recon was its own thing like for a while it was only bungee employees or who they deemed worthy in the community and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah didn't and then they had like a flame they had like a variant of the hayabusa i think it was the hayabusa helmet that was like on fire yeah, I remember. Was that the bungee yeah, I think employee? You only got that for. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. But yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been trying to go back and play through the whole franchise. Um, I say whole franchise, but I'm probably gonna stop after Reach because I'm not replaying four or five again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I texted you the other day. I'm totally down for uh, co-op legendary runs on all of. Them. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm super fucking game for that. I love legendary in halo especially halo halo 2 yeah uh i think so i could be wrong but i I want to say i want to say the master chief collection is i don't i don't think five is i don't know that five is on steam but i i fuck 90 i don't need that if because when i move out get the internet like i'll drop i'll drop money for the master chief collection because i'll actually be able to download it oh my god being able to play reach again jesus yeah, the Master Chief collection is unnecessarily fucking huge. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it should not no. be that big. No. There's just no re- no reason at all it should be that big. Some Call of Duty Modern Dude, Warfare. At least bullshit. it's not fucking. Yeah, I, that's exactly where I was going. At least it's not that. Hey, Modern Warfare shrinked. Fucking gigs. They shrinked a little bit, like twenty twenty five gigs, but it shrinked. <laughs> twenty twenty five gigs from one hundred and eighty. Oh boy. Yeah, modern. I'm. It's just fucking ridiculous, dude. I'm on the verge of uninstalling Modern Warfare. I haven't quite yet decided if I'm going to. It's just it's taking up so much space for a game that I don't I barely play because none of my friends ever want to fucking play it at this point because they all just fucking rage at it. Yeah, because I, I still play with Kayla's Dylan mm-hmm. or, or my Dylan. Um, That's kind of hurt. So I don't think I'll be deleting it, but. Oh, get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that is definitely something that I've at the very least considered because, dude, it's uh, fucking, I think Kayla's Xbox is the one that I play on because of the way that we've got it set up. Um, I would have to log in on my Xbox in order for, uh, anyone to play the games that I own. So my Xbox is downstairs because it's set as my home Xbox or whatever. And her Xbox is up here. So then I, I play here and he can play down there and we can all play the same game or whatever. But, but the Xbox that I'm playing on only has like a terabyte hard drive and fucking modern warfare is taking up almost a fifth of it. Like I can, like I can put like, you know, I don't know, six or seven more games on here, but like it's a terabyte hard drive. This should not be happening. Like, fuck, man. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm totally I'm totally down for playing Halo. I, I really enjoy Halo. Absolutely. Let's fucking let's I was gonna say too, um honestly later, if you're down to I'm I'd be down to play some Dead by Daylight with you. Oh hell yeah! I'm I'm to, I'm I've been playing a lot more on PC, but uh, I I will definitely play on some consoles. It's a uh, I know it's it's on Game Pass on Xbox. Yeah, yeah. I also happen to own it on Xbox with all the DLC. Yeah, I do too. 
my uh, I, uh, I I game share. I'm sure I've talked about it in the podcast. I game share with my buddy David, and he got uh, uh, quite intoxicated one night and bought every bit of DLC for that game. So, uh, what a what a good man he is. I oh, love him. Uh, all right. So last game that I want to talk about, and I want to talk about it in a little bit more in depth than I did last week, even though I'm still not quite finished with it. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. So I know last week I was not as high on it as I feel like I had wanted to be. So let me just address specifically two of the complaints that I had leveled at it. And the one is that it uh, doesn't look as good fidelity, uh, like uh, in a in the fidelity sense of the graphics, it doesn't look as good as like the you know the Last of Us or whatever or the the Naughty Dog games of the world. And I still stand by that. I really I really don't think that the game looks as good as those other uh those other games do but but i do want to say that i feel like that's a little bit of an unfair comparison because the games that naughty dog makes or studios of that same caliber with the like gig like the gigantic teams that are working under them and are doing completely different games and have those graphics the thing is, is that they're doing completely different games. Like from the get go, Ghost of Tsushima is an open world and the entire world is open to you. So they have to render all of that stuff all at once. And it's they can't hide it behind load screens and stuff like that. So I have to give it a little bit more of a pass than I did last week. Um and the other criticism that I leveled at it, which I actually want to backtrack completely on since I've played more of the game, is that I said that the open world felt a little empty, and I actually don't think that that is the case. Uh, I did when I had only played it for like a handful of hours, but now that I've put closer to probably like, uh, I'd say 20 hours into it, I'm I'm not sure the exact total, but I'm like a lot further along. The world has a lot more going on in it than I expected. And even though there are the things that you encounter are further, bet- further between each other than I would like, it still has a lot more happening than you would s- see in like, Uh, this is going to sound wrong because a lot of people don't agree with this, but like Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto has absolutely nothing going on in its world. Like people are walking around on the streets. Sure. Cars are moving. Sure. But, but that's literally it. Yeah, that's it. It's like a, it's a facade of, of lived in and goes to Tsushima I initially thought was like that where it has stuff going on, but like it's so few and far in between and there's not really stuff that like happens outside of like scripted events. And I think that that's totally wrong. Like 
there are scripted events for sure, but like just the other day, I ran across this like it came out of nowhere. I was just riding my horse and I ran across this person who was selling goods and when like when that happened I I got off, I started talking to them or whatever, and then these Mongolians just started like riding up the road towards us on their horses. They spotted they spotted us and started attacking. And like that's not something that I was expecting because I was like, oh, all this stuff is scripted. And it like, that's just something that sort of, you know, again, it just sort of happened. And I, I still think that there could be more stuff going on. Like I think I've seen foxes, birds and some deer. Uh, apparently there's more animals. Like apparently there are bears and stuff like that. Uh, but like, I feel like it's lacking kind of like an, uh, ecological sort of in, uh, system to it the same way that say like Red Dead Redemption is, but I feel like those, those two complaints that I leveled are valid, but also not as harmful to the overall game as I had let on. Because the game is, I I want to say quickly, but I'm I'm playing it at, at such a pace that it's kind of like not quick. <laughs> uh, but it's becoming my game of the year, I think. And the gameplay is just so so solid. For, like the the only thing, the only complaint that I have about anything that has to do with the gameplay is that the camera doesn't have a lock on. So like if at any one point I wanted to swip like flip the camera around and look at Jin in the face as he's running, I can do that. Whereas a lot of games have the 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 camera locked on to like the back of the the protagonist or whatever so when it comes to battling um the camera can kind of piss off and like it becomes awkward and that kind of sucks but overall in terms of the gameplay dude the game is just fucking solid and I'm really enjoying the combat system. Uh, I It feels like a lot of planning went into it because at first it kind of gives off a, a Assassin's Creed sort of vibe. And it is button mashy in that sort of way, but it, it requires more skill and requires you to kind of like learn the timing of your enemies and stuff like that. And also to know that like, if something is, is coming your way, you've got to know that it's coming your way and you've got to like take the appropriate actions to, you know, dodge or parry or, or whatever. So it really rewards learning the mechanics and learning the skills. And I really appreciate that. And it also, the the another like criticism that I have towards it is that Jin kind of feels like a uh, 
he almost feels like a cardboard character. Like he's just he's just there, so to speak. Like there's some cool stuff with his character at the beginning where like you kind of get some of his backstory and learn like that he uh is kind of being conflicted about uh doing things that aren't the samurai way which is being like super honorable and like if you see an enemy you're supposed to call him out so you can fight him and shit like that when someone else is telling him no like you're going to get killed if you do that you need to be stealthy and you need to take this motherfucker out in you know whatever so he's kind of torn between doing that so that then he can help save his country from you know the mongolian terrorist or being prideful and going down the samurai way and you know trying to like be an honorable warrior and that stuff kind of works but it almost feels like it goes away and maybe it'll get picked up more because I think the the main campaign of this of the story or whatever is 50 hours by itself not not counting the the side stories and stuff like that so I'm maybe halfway or a little under halfway we'll see but that's kind of disappointing, but the rest of the characters are really, really well fleshed out and have these awesome little, like, things to them uh, and their and their characters. Like, just for instance, the other day, and this isn't like one of the main characters, but it was like a, it was like a little side mission that I ran up on. There was a guy who asked me to go and check on his family because. Uh, it had been attacked by Mongolians or whatever. And so I go over there and I'm going to go to try to save his family or whatever. I fought off all the Mongolians and then I can't find his family. So I'm like, Oh fuck. Like maybe they ran away. You find some blood and, and find trails or whatever. And so you, you start following it and start tracking it. And then you end up in this river and you find both of his, his wife and his child, are dead and then you go back to him to report and he starts talking to you about how he's such a coward and he wished that he hadn't run away and blah 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 and then he he says something about how he's going to go to one of the uh, the shrines or uh, I don't think it's a shrine but one of the the places where the people are like holding up right so I think he's going to be a character that comes back around uh i mean we'll see but the fact of the matter is like he had a really awesome well-written sort of like beginning chapter of his story if he if he remains around where he feels bad for being a coward and i like all of the characters that i've come up through and played through most of their stories on have been that way where uh you know they feel bad about certain things or like they're more characters than Jen is. And that's a a little disappointing, but overall I think the game is great. uh, And I'm having a ton of fun with it. And I am really, really starting to fall in love with it. I think. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, as a sort of 
uh, side thing. I think we may have talked about it last week. Uh, I platinumed The Last of Us Part Two, and that game has gotten even better every time I've thought about it. Uh, I still don't think it's perfect, and but I, I but it has raised up in my mind. And the Ghost of Tsushima is even better than it, which to me is saying something. Says a lot, but because The Last of Us is pretty spectacular from what I'm hearing. But Ghost of Tsushima is up there too. I mean, I talked about it earlier. There's a reason I'm still hearing about it weeks and weeks after its release. It's just killing it. And every time I see anyone post something on Reddit or wherever, it looks so awesome. Just the the environments and the combat, just the things you can do in it. It, it looks so cinematic. I've not played it, but I want to. Yeah, it, it it's very great. But <clears throat> that's actually, you speak to something that's in our news section. So why don't we go ahead and jump into that? Uh, so Ghost of Tsushima is the PS4's fastest selling new IP. It sold 2.4 million copies in its first three days of launch. That is insane. That is fucking nuts. Uh, and that is a really, really awesome achievement for the guys at Sucker Punch. And I'm really happy for them. Uh, it didn't quite do what The Last of Us Part 2 Part Two did, which sold over 4 million copies in its first three days. But, I mean, for a new IP to launch from such a, a good developer, like... I'm really, really excited about that. And happy and for them. I'm really happy for them. Yeah, you got to think of yeah, like, sure. what they're feeling right now. There's a lot of weight on their shoulders, I'm sure, because, like, okay, they released the most fantastic game of the year so far, but now where do they go from there? So I know they got a lot on their plate, but what an accomplishment. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, <clears throat> I So I put this down because I think we've all played Final Fantasy uh, in one shape or form or another and this really doesn't speak to uh our love of the series or our lack thereof but i just thought it was a cool little story final fantasy 11 which was an mmo originally launched on the ps2 and i think it made it to the xbox 360 maybe if not it was it definitely on the original xbox uh just got um, an announcement that it is getting a new storyline added in um, <clears throat> oh sorry in a couple of months I believe it was hmm. uh, it's it's first new story content since 2015 good lord five and years. yeah and it's uh, the game there it is I was trying to find when the game launched the game launched in 2002 Holy oh shit. God, that was before the So office. the game is... Yeah. It's almost two decades old, and it's still just trucking along. And I hate how, that's still has a devoted how some people player base. figure out time. <laughs> I fucking hate that. <laughs> okay, almost 20 years. Oh, my God. But, yeah, that I just thought that was... Uh, I thought that was a lovely That's really cool. That's yeah, like, really surprising. Support still, yeah. Um, next one. Okay, this is a I feel like a big one. So we knew that um, uh, respawn 
had kind of switched over off of something to focus on Apex Legends, mm-hmm. uh, which came out, what was it last year, I think? Apex Legends came out? Uh, I think it's uh, early last year, I think, uh, I want to say. it was early. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it was like March of last year. I, I could be wrong, but it, either way, so they were working on something and then came off of it to work on Apex Legends, right? Well, in a, um, I think it was an earnings call from, uh, yeah, it was a financial call from EA, the COO and CFO, Blake Jorgensen, was answering some questions about acquiring new studios and brought up the process of acquiring Respawn Entertainment. And he said, quote, it wasn't about Titanfall, and that's no offense to Titanfall. It's an amazing game, and we'll maybe see a Titanfall at some point sometime down the road. Oh, I hope so. So, so this is kind of turned the internet into a fucking further because people want Titanfall 3. And oh, dude, I would, I would love that. Ruled that out. Yeah, same. Like, Apex Legends is fun, but Titanfall as a series, I think, is a, is a much better game. Uh, and I, I want so badly for a Titanfall 3 to come. I think a lot of people do, but something positive we have going on right now is the Apex world is getting so much lore added to it with each new season, and that lore stems yes. from Titanfall. So when Titanfall 3 comes out, not only does it have its two predecessors to work off of, but it also has everything else that we're seeing in the world of Apex Legends. And it's going to have some mm-hmm. monumental uh, just force behind it. Like You're going to have so many fans that maybe haven't played Apex, but they did love Titanfall 1 and especially 2. And then it's like, yeah. you get the people who have love for both sides, and now they're super excited. because There's a whole subreddit on reddit for just apex lore and that lore stems from before everything with apex or not apex i'm titanfall so we're getting so much Mm -hmm. extra in that world that when titanfall 3 does come out later down the line i truly believe it will we're gonna have a much i think it's gonna be so much better than titanfall 2 because the world is expanding like constantly i think that's awesome yeah, I'm I'm super stoked that they haven't forgotten about it. But one can only hope for Titanfall three. I I still go back and play Titanfall two every now and then. And it just came yeah, out on same, Steam recently, same. and I gave a huge boost to its player mm-hmm. base. So that's good. So speaking of Steam, what? or well, sort of speaking of Steam, uh, people have been very adamant about their dislike for Epic Game Store. And one of the things is because it hasn't had mod support, but they recently announced that they are adding that functionality and the first title that it is, uh, that it is getting a, like to participate or whatever is the mech warrior five mercenaries game. It's getting a beta launch and, uh, I'm trying to find where, uh, it doesn't say the exact, date that is coming but finally epic game store is getting mod support which is huge for people in the pc community so that's something very very good that they're doing do you 
Do you fuck around with mods, Dylan? No, and I don't care for the Epic Game Store. It's not that I have anything against them. It's just I want all my stuff on one launcher, and I know that's the... It's either the joke of the whole thing or it's the truth of it. Like, people are so lazy they don't want to open up another launcher. I have the Epic Game Store because that's where my Borderlands 3 is, just because it was on sale there more so than it was... Uh, on Steam one day, so I got it there. But I don't know. I just like having everything on one um, launcher specifically. Like my Steam library is full, but Epic Game Store literally consists of uh, Borderlands Three, and I don't use mods <laughs> for anything. Um, uh, I mean, fair. I mean, if I did, it would be for something like Skyrim. But then I have like the Twitch app, um, mm-hmm. and they ha- I get all my mods through there. I do use them for World of Warcraft, like, but that's like for quality of life stuff, like the user interface and like a deadly boss mods, which like if you're doing like a dungeon or a raid or something, it'll warn you like an attack is coming, stuff like that. It's just like quality of life stuff. I don't alter the game in any kind of massive way. Um, but no, it's not really my thing to mod games. I like, I like what I'm given most of the time. Like I think there's a whole modding community for Stardew that I've never once touched just because I like the base game so much. Um, okay. I mean, yeah. fair enough. I, I don't really fuck around with them either. But I figured you play more PC than mm-hmm. I do, so... Have nothing against them. Like, eventually I'll mod my Skyrim when I get... I, I hate that it takes away the achievement accessibility, too. Like, that's something that kills me. Like, on mm. whether it be yeah. Xbox or Steam, I don't like having my achievements taken away from me because that's a huge part of me. I'm a completionist. Um, mm-hmm. So do not like that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the last little news item that I wanted to get to before we kind of break into the big one is Splinter Cell is reportedly being adapted for a Netflix animated series, and uh, it is supposedly going to be written by Derek Kolstad, who was the creator of the John Wick f- franchise. Well, that'll be kind of cool. Um, so that is cool as shit to me, especially with uh how good Castlevania is on Netflix. Oh, you said uh, animated but, series, didn't you? That's kind of weird for Splinter yeah. Cell. I don't know. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, it's on that's that's the biggest point that I like I love the Splinter Cell series even though I'm not good at stealth games in the same way that I love Metal Gear Solid, but the last game was released in 2013. Like Was that where conviction? the fuck uh, Blacklist. Oh. I think Conviction was the one right before Blacklist, okay. which was like 2011. But yeah, man, like, where the fuck is the game? Where is a Splinter Cell? Yeah, I don't game? give a damn about Stop giving me this bullshit. Like, <laughs> games are so good. I, I am stoked about this. Uh, yeah, they're, they're really good, man. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but I'm excited and. Hopefully, hopefully that means that there's another game coming. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Here's the big one, uh, and this was the Xbox Series X Games Showcase that happened July 23rd. So a little over a week ago, almost two weeks ago. Oh boy. So. There was a bunch of stuff announced. 
uh, I'll go through the littler titles. Um, there, they talked about uh, As Dusk Falls, which is a new studio who's kind of taking the interactive, like, uh, uh, novel sort of thing. That looks cool. Um, they talked about more Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Uh, Psychonauts 2 got a new trailer. There's a new Warhammer game coming. Uh, Tetris Effect is getting multiplayer. Um, the Gunk was announced, which is from the team who did Spelunky and Spelunky... Or no, not not Spelunky, I'm sorry, SteamWorld. Um, and that looked kind of cool. Fantasy Star Online got announced. Uh, or Fantasy Star 2 Online or s- some shit like that. Some Japanese MMO. Uh, no, it's already um, it's already on it. It's been on Xbox for a while. I think they just announced like a new storyline for it. I've been playing it. It's really oh, fun. Oh, gotcha. It's really fun. Okay, that's what it is. Um, the medium is announced to come out this year, which is from Bloober Team. Who uh, this one excited me because these are the guys who did Layers of Fear and the Blair Witch game, and the mechanics behind this game look fucking cool where basically you're controlling a character between two separate worlds. But at like your the decisions in one world carry over to the next. I don't know. It looked really fucking cool. Yeah, I I was really interested in that one. Yeah, uh, so um what else was there? I'm trying to look at well, everything. Let's just talk about the one. it's it's not a small game. Uh, well, it's so here's the thing. There are probably four things that I think we can talk about in any sort of depth. Uh and some of them are not as important as others. But the first one I saw was um uh oh my god, Everwild. Okay. Everwild is the new game from Rare. Uh the really really old game development team who worked on shit back in the fucking like mid 80s for like the Intellivision systems and the NES and stuff like that um and then they came to fame in like the the 90s with Donkey Kong Country they did um what was the name of the the squirrel game Conker's Bad Fur Day and like a whole bunch of stuff they did Goldeneye then Microsoft bought them, and they kind of haven't been the same studio at all. Like a lot of their games for Microsoft have been kind of meh, but um, they really, I feel like, stumbled onto something great with Sea of Thieves in I think I want to say 2017, but that also seems too old. I don't feel like that game is that old. But anyway, they they had a trailer for this new game called Everwild. And it didn't really tell us what the fuck it was, but it looks gorgeous. Uh, the The art style for it, I think, looks amazing. Um, but I don't know. Uh, that's probably not something that is as important, I guess, to you guys. Uh, the other thing was really a kind of three tiered announcement from Obsidian where they talked about Peril on Gorgon, which is the new Outer Worlds expansion. Uh, that one's coming September 9th. Um, I haven't played the Outer Worlds yet. I hear it's really fucking good. I need to get on that. Um, yeah, but 
Okay. We all know what the important announcement from them was. Yeah, so, well, you're talking about Grounded, I'm right? I'm talking about <laughs> what in the hell? Grounded was the other thing that they announced, and apparently it's fucking huge on Twitch. Like, huge. So, that's good for them, and that's good for Microsoft. But, yes, here's the thing that we're excited oh, please. about. Please. I'm salivating. It's... Uh, it's a little open world RPG from the first person expect uh, uh, perspective called Avowed. Avowed, and it is set in the same world as the Pillars of Eternity series. Which, uh, if you haven't played those games, those games are awesome. Um, the trailer looks fucking sick, dude, and it looks like it could be in the same way that uh, Fallout New Vegas was like the Fallout. IP, it looks like fucking Avowed could be the Elder Scrolls. It's going to be, and this is the first time where I think Bethesda needs to fear for their lives, because now there's finally another game that can run, if I had to guess, could run toe-to-toe with the Elder Scrolls. And Bethesda has been dropping the ball repetitively Mm -hmm. over, let's just say, this past year. They're turning into a fucking joke right now. Um... Just in any way you want to look at it. And The Elder Scrolls Six is a long way away still. But with the announcement of Avowed, we, you know, every whenever I was growing up playing World of Warcraft, you would always hear about the next MMO coming out, and they would call it the WoW Killer. And it was never even close to killing World of Warcraft. There's a reason it's still alive today. But Avowed, mm-hmm. I will say in the same light, is going to be the Skyrim or the Elder Scrolls Killer because it looks so good and it has a company that gives a damn behind it. It looks phenomenal. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. I love Obsidian. I I really really think that studio is super underrated and I know that there are a lot of people out there who when Microsoft acquired Obsidian was like, "Eh, what like who cares? It's just Obsidian." Like no they struck No, that was a big deal for Microsoft. Goal. Yeah, I, I I really really feel like Microsoft made two excellent fu- fucking purchases when they obtained Obsidian Nin- and Ninja Theory. Uh, Ninja Theory. Yep. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's the two. And ah, oh, just I remember when they were announcing all their acquisitions on stage, and I saw Obsidian, I lost my mind because I didn't think Obsidian would be bought by one of these big companies like. Can you imagine if Sony would have acquired them? They would have had some of the biggest names in the industry all under their title. I genuinely don't know if Xbox would be able to function this next generation had Sony bought Obsidian. Just straight up. And even Ninja Theory. I'm not going to take anything away from them, too, because fantastic game dev company. Like I'm excited to see what they can do with Microsoft backing them. But Obsidian is a killer if they would have lost out on that. Yeah, yeah, because... Because you, the thing about Ninja Theory is that Sony already had studios who could make those sort of games, the third-person sort of action games. They don't, to me at least, with the exception of Gorilla, who you know just in I think it was 2017 did Horizon Zero Dawn, which is which is excellent. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have a first-party studio that can do. RPGs like right. uh, again I want to I want to preface that by saying like 
Horizon Zero Dawn is awesome, and Guerrilla did a great thing with that studio, but like at the time, they weren't known for that. And to a lesser extent, I, I don't think that they're still known for that. Mm-hmm. But if they had bought Obsidian, man, they have, they have a racing team with Polyphony. They have a ton of teams that do uh, third-person action games, whether it be Naughty Dog, Insomniac, uh, fucking Sony Bend. Uh, I mean, fucking like all of their studios are capable of doing yep. that. They have the kind of child-friendly stuff locked down with um, Media Molecule and Sony London. Like, they need an RPG studio, I think. Or they, they don't necessarily need them, but like if they had been able to wrap up another RPG studio, like Microsoft would be it, done. They would be because Microsoft needs that too. They need it exactly. so much because they have had... They have, they're no longer in this category. I think they now have a lot of great companies that can produce these exclusives. But losing out on Obsidian would have been fatal to that um, next generation of gaming. Um, even Ninja Theory, I'll say this too, because it is another third-person action game. And I've not played it yet. I have it. I'm ready to go on it as soon as I move into the apartment. But um, Hellblade losing out on the game company that has produced that game to where I've not played it, but I know everything about it because it's critically acclaimed. It's one of the best games that have come out in this past generation. If they would have... Yeah, I found it really weird when that game made it to Switch. (laughs) I find that super weird. You want to hear my popular opinion about that game? Oh, God. Yeah. 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 It came out the same year as God of War. I think that it's better than God of War. I don't... Oh, there you go. I don't disagree. And again, I've only watched the game. I've not played it hands-on, but everything I've watched from it, I have not seen a game like that. Um, and in a in a in a not, of course, I've seen games like that, but not how they delivered it, not how they laid out the story, not how they put you in that world. Oh, I, I'm not even gonna. That's gonna go off on a whole another thing. We're trying to do news, but anyway, Ninja Theory, <laughs> Ninja Theory being. A, a part of that group that Microsoft had, if Sony would have grabbed them, that's just yet another company that could have mm-hmm. taken the reins and gone so far with it. Imagine Hellblade 2 being exclusive to only PlayStation 5. That would have been Dude, killer. Uh, <sighs> but we don't live in that world. We don't. Thank God. Um, I was going to say as a transition that we would continue talking about RPGs, but I personally think that this was the biggest thing at the Xbox showcase we'll, so we'll save it for last let's talk about Halo for a second I don't even want to uh, <laughs> I don't so here's the thing I, I want to I want to keep this brief I think that a lot of the controversy about Halo is completely fucking overblown yeah, it is. Uh, and I can't wait for Halo Infinite I think that, that game is going to be fucking great I think I really do. It's going to be a lot I, I, more like, polished than what we saw for sure. Oh yeah, and oh, the thing is, yeah. like they they said something about like when that the demo that they showed was something that was from code that was like three weeks ago when when they had announced it. So it was code from like the end of June, from the end of June to you know probably November. You've got enough time to continue to get that code into a place where it looks. Like 
like something that people won't be right you would expect from that kind of title but but to me the gameplay looked like halo it looked like a return to halo like i don't know man i'm just maybe it's because i haven't gotten a halo game that i have like truly loved in what when was reached 2010 oh god yeah i think so yeah, so I haven't gotten a Halo game that I really, truly loved in 10 years, and I'm ready for that series to make a comeback, and I I just think that Halo Infinite is going to be that. Yeah, I, really I do, do too. I, <clears throat> a lot of people are really, kind of like you said, a lot of people are really quick to point out, um, oh, the close-up on that brute looked terrible, the way the mountains and the trees are loading in look awful. Um, from from what I can tell, the the game was a the what the demo that we got was a not even a recent build. It was a very, but it wasn't old. Um, I think I read somewhere that it was the the build was from January ish. So that's not too old, but that's not exactly too recent in in game development. Uh, game development speaking. So yeah, like you said, they definitely have time to polish it and make it better and i hope that they do and i have no doubt that they will they will the game's not even gone gold yet has it i mean it's still no it's not even close yeah and uh i mean i i expect it will launch with the consoles which should be somewhere around mid-november which means that they still have plenty of time to get it into a, they're in a crackdown shape. mode right now too like they're they're driving yeah, exactly. the, the the game home right now not not to mention that that studio is gigantic 343 has got over 150 yep. people in it so i mean that's a huge fucking studio they have more than enough time i think to whip that game into shape yeah and exactly some really experienced veterans to help get that game to where it needs to be mhm so, yeah, I'm excited. About I can't it. wait but for it. The thing honestly, that I am I... most go on. You might be super excited about it, man. But the thing that I'm most excited about is Fable. <laughs> See, I I never got into Fable. Man, you if you I never liked time it. to ever delve into them. You should. I did just reacquire Fable Anniversary on Steam. It was on sale during the summer mm. sale. But my love for the game really extends from Fable 2 and 3. And then I didn't play much of anything after that. But what a time to announce a brand new Fable game. And one that looks like it kind of... It retains what those original three had. That magic that just drove them into our hearts. And it made it what we know it today. Like that sense of humor from the short little trailer was spot on. Like that's what you want to see... I don't need to see much more than that just because I feel like that captures everything. <laughs> and, and as silly as it sounds, like that captures what I love from the Fable series. Yeah, uh, that the trailer stole my heart because it literally is, I mean, it captured what that game series is in a nutshell and just fucking... Uh, I never got I mean, big into Fable but I definitely am excited to try it because I'm, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to try it. Um, <clears throat> whether I like it or not, I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those, 
it, it goes back to the same oh, fuck I don't I don't want to make this fucking comparison at all but um it goes back to the same reason why I can't get into Skyrim it's the it's the setting it's the the the, the time period and the lore that surrounds that kind of time period it, it's kind of that whole thing um but understand that. I'll try it that. I'll give it a shot yeah, it's kind of unique to itself because I understand, like, aesthetically looking at the game, that's what it might seem like. But once you get inside of the game, it's it's it really just uh, it owns itself. Like, it, it's it doesn't take itself too seriously, and it just brings its own special kind of formula to a mix that you would think would be a part of the already played out genre, but it really has no other comparative. Uh, game out there like I in my opinion I don't think another game comes close to what Fable brings to the table yeah yeah uh I don't know man I'm just I'm really excited about this game and it's from Playground Games who is the studio has been working on Forza Horizon uh since the beginning so they have chops with open world and I just that tone piece of a trailer fucking nailed it for me. And what a company to give it to. Forza Horizons all the way to Fable. Like, what a genre. Like, what a genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, Horizons is a great franchise. That's one of my favorite. That's probably my favorite racing game is Forza Horizons. But just to see that they're taking over the reins of Fable, that's crazy. Yeah, agreed. I mean, well... I mean, it, it makes sense to me because they have the open world char- chops, but t- yeah, I, it is a, a real weird transition for a studio. But I'm down. Same. Um, cool. Well, why don't we knock out our pick of the weeks and? Oh man, have I got a pick for you guys? Up. Oh my god. <laughs> As long uh, as it's legal, because we're treading water on that in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this episode. Oh, it's legal. It's I fucked up, but it's legal. Oh, great. That's oh, how we started it. That's how we'll started. end it. That's how we'll end it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Last week I told you guys, uh, or not last week, but last episode I talked to you guys about the little, um, what is it called? Uh, no. Not what it or not. Oh my god! Ah, my brain is malfunctioning. Um, the iDubs documentary called uh, "Full Force," yes. right about the the big fat yes. boy who made lightsaber videos. Pretty sure you just defended well people with that, but yes, <laughs> that's what it's about. I understand. I'm sure there's some politically correct statement for it nowadays, though. Yeah. Well, of, of yep. course there is. Well, Idubs released another morbidly uh, obese. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> Listen, Idubs released another documentary right before we recorded the uh, last episode, and it's called Ice Cream Man, and it is available on YouTube. It's another like fifty or so minute documentary about another YouTube star named Dax Flame, and. Uh, so it's hard for me to describe because the, the full, 
the Full Force documentary that was about um, Airsoft Fatty kind of has a easy to digest, like, uh, not tagline, but like premise. Like, oh, it's about a fat kid who makes Star Wars videos. Like, that's e- that's that's an easy to like thing to say. People will know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, Ice Cream Man is not as easy to sum up, but needless to say, it's about another interesting YouTube star who kind of uh, doesn't get the same spotlight that, say, like PewDiePie does. And it, again, has this sort of sense of humor that I I said about the the full force uh, where it kind of can have this cynical sense of humor and this kind of like almost uh, mean-spirited sense of humor in some of it, but overall has this real warmth and heart to it, and I really enjoyed it, and I really, really, really hope that iDubs continues down this path of making these documentaries because the two that he has released are both very, very good. So, Boom. Uh, Dylan, tell me about Guggen Squad. I'm going to sound like an advertisement. Um, <laughs> no, actually, the Guggen Squad is actually what helped me get in. I'm not really back into fishing because I, I have to thank my good friend Austin for that. Um, my friend Austin has been so helpful over the past couple of months. Just it, guiding me to where I need to be with fishing. But a part of that was introducing me to this channel on YouTube. I don't, I have never really delved into YouTube. I don't watch anything on it. I don't know why I just, I've always steered towards other media outlets. Um, so when he was giving me this channel to, you know, check out or a group of these guys, I was like, ah, you know, fine. So I get on there and what the Guggen squad is, it's a group of YouTubers who started out, just doing their own thing, but they came together and made the Guggen squad. They were a few individual people. Um, but when they came together, they created the squad called the Guggen squad. And it's just a bunch of some of the, <clears throat> I would consider them some of the better anglers on YouTube, but it's not just like it's, they're not always showing you how to videos and how to fish different baits. They're just guys out there having fun. Um, you could look at a lot of their videos as a vlog series, um, and I'm not, there's, there's five or six guys on the squad. Now I'm not going to name any names because I think it's important for you to go out there and find your own just by watching from the Guggen squad channel. Like there's that primary channel and then they break out into their own, um, respective individual YouTube channels. And they've gone so far because they started out as, like I said, just a few of YouTubers doing their own thing came together, created the Guggen Squad YouTube channel roster of guys, and now they partnered with a fishing brand, Catchco, and they're creating their own baits, and they have been for a long time. And now they're in the business of creating their own rods that are releasing in October. Pre-sales have started now, and they just look so good. They know their products, and they they just live their lives and they they go on these adventures where you know you think you're going to be watching fishing videos the whole time but they're showing you another part it's like do you ever guys ever watch river monsters back in the day like with uh, i've seen some seen i think episodes? so yeah well imagine not anything that ridiculous super you're out there hunting the giant monsters but like they're going to these different places like they just went to the red sea 
there's like a, a like an uh rainforest series there's like ice fishing stuff in the canadian wilderness um the baja california peninsula there's just crazy stuff that they go out and do and show you a part of the world that you'd never get to see and they make it entertaining it's not all about you know catching fish because that from to the outsider could sound boring but it's their journey along the way that they'll have you cracking up with them and laughing at all their stuff and i think it's a good just if you're bored and want to go check out a video i think it's good to start on the Guggen squad channel and then see who the personalities are when they all culminate together and then just pick and choose who you like from that and go look at their youtube channels they're all great guys very and. nice very nice all right, tread uh, water. Austin, tell me about <coughs> Evangelion and you have slash Death Parade here. What is what is? All right, so <clears throat> I'm gonna get to Death Parade in just a second. Um, the the first pick of the week that I wanted to go for is something that I am super excited about because as we're getting closer and closer to the end of the year, um or as we've gone through this year, I think everybody knows how fucked up 2020 has been for literally everybody and everything. Um, stuff that stuff kept getting postponed and stuff got, you know, uh, uh, delayed inevitably, you know, like last of us got postponed. I know there was another big major title that people were cyberpunk, excited for. They got the cyberpunk. Yeah. I forgot about that. Super excited for that. Even I though I forgot it existed for a brief minute. <laughs> um, but one of the big things that, uh, also, all my pick of the weeks are going to be anime. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there because that's all I do other than gaming. So that's just what, how it's going to be. I think theme? you said the same exact thing. Yeah, it's like it's anime and there's something else that happens. Like It's like something Zelda or something. He's going to pre-order the most expensive Zelda. Yep. yep. <laughs> I have reoccurring themes. This is great. Um, but one of, one of the things that I was the most excited for going into 2020 is we finally got an announcement that Evangelion uh, 3.0 plus 1.0 was supposed to be released this year. It was supposed to be released in June, and because of COVID, it got delayed inevitably. Whether it's coming out this year, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. However, they do keep s sneaking uh, little little bits and clips on onto the internet. I think like once a month, there's like a new 20 second clip that gets uploaded to YouTube. So they're, they're subtly getting ready for it. And uh, if you've never checked it out, definitely should. It's my favorite anime of all time. Um, they're, they're in a bit of a weird situation with. So the, the theatrical movies are basically retellings. Uh, it's a retelling of the original series, but it's a little bit different. But uh, Funimation has the English rights to the uh, the rebuild movies or what the fans call them. They have the uh, the the Western side rights and actually Netflix owns everything else involving uh, Evangelion. They bought it for a mass amount of money in 2018, I think. And they actually brought in their own voice actors, which were picked from different studios. There's a couple Funimation actors thrown in there. And Netflix did their own dubbing. There's a lot of controversy behind the dubbing. I think the dubbing is fantastic, but that also might just be blind fanboyness that's going on. Um, but I'm super excited. Hopefully it's coming this year. And if that sounds like something you're into, it is definitely on Netflix. 
I don't think the rebuild movies are streamed anywhere. I know I bought like a when T Daddy gave us that first stimulus check. <laughs> um, I I bought the entire collection of the movies. So because I couldn't find them to stream them anywhere, and for some reason trying to stream shit on my Xbox when I go to Internet Explorer and I go to those backwoods sites to try to stream anime, my Xbox just like does a backflip and shits in its own mouth. I don't know if that's a common thing that Internet Explorer just doesn't work on Xboxes like it's supposed to, but it just it makes my console crash. But uh, Evangelion, it's a it's that's the hardest plot that I've ever had to try to explain to anybody. It's basically a bunch of kids with super fucked up lives and post-traumatic stress disorder thrown in the mix have to pilot these giant robots or what they think are giant robots to save humanity from what humanity thinks are giant aliens. And then come to find out it's all a hell of a lot deeper and it's a very twisty story. It's very complex. You won't understand it watching the first time. I've seen it. I, I re, I'm not even joking when I say I rewatch the series on Netflix at least once a month. And I still barely understand what's happening in that show. <laughs> it's it's a very it's a very deep, complex thing. There's a lot of religious elements thrown in there. Pretty much the name of every major character and every major enemy and everything is is kind of taken from I think Judaism is the is the name for a lot of them. But it's very good. It's very fucked up though. I they have one there's a movie on Netflix of Evangelion and it opens up with probably the weirdest and most uncomfortable intro to an anime movie that I have ever watched with other people and I don't want to go into detail on it cuz it's super fucking weird and super fucking gross and uncomfortable but uh it it relates to the movie it's it's very hard to 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 tell but when you get farther along in the movie um, the opening scene actually starts to make sense. So check it out. Evangelion is great. It's my favorite anime of all time, and I'll pre- probably rewatch it once a month till the day I fucking die. <laughs> and then the other one cool, cool. that I, I had put on my pick of the week is an anime that I actually just started watching yesterday, and I finished this morning. And uh, Shit. It, that, it's not long. It's like 12. It's like 10 or 12 episodes. It is not long at all, Um, but it's called Death Parade, and basically the premise of the show is whenever a couple uh, dies at the same time, like say, like in the first episode, there's a married couple uh, driving down the road, and they get in a fight, and they go off the road and die. So whenever a couple dies for the first time, they're sent to this hotel slash bar kind of thing, and um, they meet this really colorful, really interesting cast of characters and they don't they don't know that they're dead. They don't remember dying. But pretty much the whole purpose of them going to this hotel is this co- this cast of characters are pretty much deciding whether they go to heaven or hell or not. And they do that Ooh. by making them play games with like extreme conditions to bring out the worst dude, of humanity. I have heard about this. And it's dude, that shit blew my fucking mind. It it is it has the most upbeat like it's got one of those anime openings that you just want to get up and dance to. But then when you watch the series, you're like, I just want to cry. I just want to ball up in a corner somewhere and cry for three days. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know where I heard about this series, but I heard about this a couple weeks ago and it sounded super fucking interesting. It's it's really good. It's on uh it's on Hulu subbed and then uh it's on Funimation dubbed and subbed. Uh although okay. I don't think the dub's very good. I don't none of the voice actors really fit the characters, but uh when when it goes back to the when going back to the uh playing games with extreme conditions like the first couple um, they were they were recently married. I think they were just on their honeymoon, um, and the husband had suspected the wife of cheating the whole time. She was on her phone going down the road. He got mad at her, tried to yank the phone, and they went off the railing and died. Um, they crashed into the ocean and drowned. Oh, man. And so while they're playing this game, the the game is randomly selected based on the couple, and um, the game that they were chosen to play was darts. They just. They take turns throwing darts at a board. That sounds really simple. And then the uh, host explains that each part of the uh, scoreboard actually represents a bone or organ on their partner's body. So when they hit that, when they hit that point on the scoreboard, it actually hurts their partner in that same spot. And the, they're doing that. They're they're making them play these games under extreme conditions to get them to crack and kind of show the worst of themselves so they can decide whether they go to heaven or hell. And it's very interesting. It's very mind-blowing. There's a lot of twists and turns pretty much every fucking episode. And the first the first episode made me extremely uncomfortable. And I was like, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm already uncomfortable. It can't get any worse. And I finished it this morning, and it was fantastic. Awesome. So that's my pick awesome. of the week. Well, I'll have to take a look at that. It sounds really interesting. Uh, but... We have been recording for almost three hours, so what do you say we get out of here? I wish Sounds I good to uh, me, dog. <laughs> Could have ended with a happier voice. Like I said, super sad anime sad. boy. It's just how it I mean, if we if we want to go back to it, Dylan still never gave no. his answer. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm the oh, one Lord. saving grace of this. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. All right. Well... As I have been stating for the last couple weeks, well, actually, I, I say I've been stating for the last couple weeks, none of these are up yet because I'm waiting to get uh, enough to pass it through iTunes without any problems so it can all be launched on every platform at the same time. So you'll probably be hearing this at the same time that you're hearing the other two episodes. So with that said, if you like what you hear here, please don't hesitate to text a friend about us and... Send them the link or or what have you, but also on whatever your chosen podcast app is, write a review for us and give us, uh, you know, the appropriate amount of stars. Five is always acceptable. And feedback. Um, and yeah, within the review or within like reaching out to us on social media or whatever the case may be, any sort of feedback would be greatly beneficial because... We want this to be a podcast that everyone can listen to and have fun with. So with all of that said, uh, for Mr. Dylan Martin and Mr. Austin Stevens, I am Josh McMullen, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.